Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I don't like blood and guts, But I love them when they're lengthily discussed This is the With Gorley and Rust podcast. If you're looking for some other podcast, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, or maybe uh, you were done listening to one podcast and it advanced to another. Yeah. And you don't want to be listening. Move on. Move on. If but, you, if you yeah. hate coziness, oh. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> if you don't like being comfy, happy, and rested, yeah, why would you listen to this The Greatest Podcast? Covered on a previous episode. Now, we got that uh, officially um, uh, copyrighted, right? The greatest podcast. Yeah. So we, we can had to use fight that Trump legally. <laughs> Will, Will Smith, our producer, and by the way, if you're a new listener, it, it is the Will Smith. Yeah. He took that down to the Library of Congress and yes. trademarked it. Yeah. I call it the Library of Congress. Libra- library. Yeah, Library of Congress. Of Congress. <laughs> So, uh, listener, I just, I just really want you to know that this is an easy listening podcast. It's mm-hmm. a cozy cast. It goes mm-hmm. on at length. We talk about mostly horror movies, some thrillers, and an occasional coz fest like Crawler, Mister Mom. I'm Matt Gorley. Oh, I'm Paul Rust. And uh, you can, if you like what you hear, if you've settled in on a bearskin rug in a cabin with rust-colored paint somewhere. Go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get feature length commentaries, mailbag episodes, mm. tournament style competitions between cozy movies and draft Ooh. draft episodes of slasher drafts. It's funny. Usually uh, cozy and drafts don't go together. You're right. You, you, you want to get some uh, 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 weather stripping yeah. in so you don't get those drafts. And I wouldn't even say sports drafting and cozy go together, but we've somehow oh, made it work. That's true, too. Yeah, yeah I didn't even think the liter- even the, the actual one. Um, it, talking about cold drafts and stuff, it, it brings us to this spring king fling and how we've slowly been going through the thaw. 
That's right. This, this movie, Misery, has its own thaw. It goes... Some thaw times. Yeah, thaw thaw. <laughs> My favorite of the Thaw movies is Thaw 3 Jigsaw, The Revenge. Jigsaw. Jigsaw. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, what, uh, what is that? That's uh, uh, Daffy Duck. Who's your favorite horror movie character? Oh, Daffy Duck, I think. Yeah. No. Oh, no? I'm asking Oh, oh sorry. Oh. <laughs> I would have to say. Jigsaw. <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. Now I lost my I've lost my <gasps> Daffy Duck and my Michael Caine. You're despicable. Hey, that was good. Jigsaw. No, I never really had it to be to be honest. Listener, I can't fool you. I can't lie to you. Is there another I mean uh, there's a, a whole motley crew of cartoon characters with uh speech impediments. So yeah, I just Sylvester. went with that one. Sylvester. Suffering Succotash. I love Jigsaw. <laughs> That's closer, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So does that mean Tweety in the sort of the enemy of my, the friend of my enemy is my best friend? What's uh-huh. the expression? Where does Tweety fall in terms of Jigsaw if Sylvester loves him? Probably still Jigsaw. Still Tweety's like the Carrie Ellis of Jigsaw <laughs> <Always>. 1. <laughs> Even before this Saw franchise yeah. comparison started. Second lead in the Civil War film, Glory. Blonde with big blue eyes. I mean, come on. I think he has blue eyes. I think, oh yeah, I'm yeah almost, I mean, I'd bet my life on it. If not blue-green, but something of that crystalline persuasion. Ooh, and who do we know, Cara, what film do we know Cara, Carrie Elway's more from than, than the Saw movies? Princess Pers- Bride. Yes. What? Yes, Princess Bride. The, directed by... <gasps> Robert Reiner. Robert Reiner, director of... Mythery. And cast member as the helicopter pilot. In what? In Misery. Mythery. Mythery. He's a helicopter pilot yeah, he's, in Mythery? He's he's just coptering Richard Farnsworth up in the sky. He's got a mustache and a ball cap, so you don't actually... That wasn't in our notes, was it? I think it was. Yeah. Oh, Brantley Palmer, our that Brantley Palmer new provided us yeah. that uh, were very helpful. Um, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Um, Brian De Palma makes a cameo at the beginning of Bonfire of the Vanities, right? And he shaved his famous beard. Yeah. So you wouldn't recognize him. So Rob Reiner has a famous beard. That's right, but he had a famous mustache prior to that in All in the Family. That's true. So, yeah, do you think he had a beard and shaved it for this? Because De Palma, if I'm remembering from The Devil's Candy, (laughs) was reluctant to do the cameo, but he showed up in a mirror in that shot, so he knew he had to be in it, right? Uh, Yeah, it was, um, he would have to be there, because he's... um, It's cool, he's holding a walkie-talkie and and giving directions. Yeah. And so to make it look like putting a walkie-talkie to your mouth and giving people directions on the crew, you he had to dress as a security guard. That's amazing. I don't know if you had to be uh, on camera. <laughs> you old Hitchcockian devil. <laughs> but he's literally the first thing you see in Bonfire of the Vanities. That's right. Once you realize it's oh, a, right. Um, so if Rob Ryan are really... Had the guts. He would have started this movie with the helicopter scene of him with a mustache yeah. and a bald cap. Uh, is that what you said? 
No. Uh, no, a ball cap. Ball cap. Oh, sorry. Cap. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, clown wig with the. But <laughs> I it- think his cameo in this, although he's in other films of his, does feel because he's drawing so much, admittedly, on ah, Hitchcock in right. the shots and the music that he probably is going, I'm going to do a Hitchcockian cameo. Yeah. I think. Yeah. In our notes, uh, uh, we, yeah, it, was, it said that he uh, watched all the Hitchcock movies right. and he realized. It was all about close-ups of objects. Mm. And so that's why there was all these. And then if you watch Misery, just filled with close-ups of like, including the very, uh, very beginning. You see that cigarette oh, yeah. and you see the, the Don Perignon and the yeah. match. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, so yeah, I guess it would be kind of like he's doing his little loan because he hadn't made. He, he obviously is in uh, this is Spinal Tap. Yeah, um, Marty DeBergi. Marty DeBergi. Yeah. DeBergi, the Martin Scorsese uh, stand-in. Right, and then I mean, maybe this is a time just that we talk about Rob Reiner's amazing sure. oh, run. Forget of about it. His first seven, eight movies, I think, are just who anybody would want them. So it's this is Spinal Tap. You can kind of drop out the sure thing out there. Not a lot of people are like... I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, and then Stand By Me, Princess Bride, uh, When Harry Met Sally, mm-hmm. Misery. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm so-so on A Few Good Men. Yeah, but, me too. Um, that might be blasphemous to some, but I'm with you. Yeah. It kind of drops with A Few Good Men and... North is worse than A Few Good Men. I've never seen North. In fact, I was going to say, is it North or Dutch? Which of those two movies did he make? Sacrilege, man. You're saying some, you're spewing sacrilege at me. He's talking bad about Dutch. I, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't know. I've Ooh, never seen it. competed either. against Gremlins 2 as my favorite movie. After I, got, Are you I saw Dutch, I was like, that was so great. Pump your brakes. Don't say it's better than Gremlins 2. You want to say it, Paul. Well, what do you think now? Dutch is pretty bad. Okay. I've never seen Dutch. I'm not even disparaging it. I just didn't know. I've never seen North or Dutch or Jack. And that's, <laughs> is that Francis Ford Cobble? Yeah. This these one word, um, like, auteur director type. Yeah. Who did Dutch? Was that? Uh, Howard Deutsch. Oh, so I, that's but not isn't that quite weird? the same household name. A Deutsch did a Dutch? Oh, a Deutsch did do a Dutch. And Deutsch was sort of John Hughes's go-to director. Oh. Uh, so Hughes wrote. Dutch for Deutsch to Dutch for to <laughs> Dutch got Deutscht. Gotcha. Okay. So but I was uh, just kidding about the sacrilege. You weren't spewing sacrilege. Never. Never. Uh, uh, but then uh, after North is an American president, which is pretty. Oh good. yeah. Okay. Um, but I would say this run for me is capped off by. Misery. Yeah. But just using that as the way to think about the cameos, because uh, yeah, I think he you're right. some favors on this, too, it seems, with actors. Holy cow, that one, the J... J.T. Walsh? J.T. Walsh has just one line, one shot. And and they must have flown him up to... The, they shot this in, like, Reno Tahoe area. Oh, wow. So, so that wasn't even a studio shot. That was a on location snow. And was he there or did they... F- I would have been so nervous because it's just like one take. Yeah. Where it's like, you see the thing get lifted up. Yeah. He has to say all the lines right. as it goes over the crowd and then it stops. Like, 
He was just brought in to do Well, that's that. why you call in someone like JT Walsh yeah. to get the job done. So do you think it was like, uh, hey, JT Walsh, we know you're uh, probably bigger than this role, but it's uh, this cast is it's a small group. You'll stand out. It's also, not like I'm, it's like a 25-person, 25-character movie. I think what happened, uh-huh. and I would, I'd bet any amount of money on this, is he went to Lauren Bacall first. It's like half a day filming tops. You're going to be in a soundstage with a big cyclorama of New York City behind <laughs> you. Half a day, something easy for you, but we want a name. We want gravitas. We want Lauren Bacall for this. Yeah. Inks Lauren Bacall, goes to Richard Farnsworth, mm-hmm. gets Richard Farnsworth, gets Francis um, uh, uh, Steen, uh, Sternberger. I, Sternberger. Then he mm. goes to J.T. Walsh. He's like, I'm only putting uh, the the best of no the best character yeah, actors in these roles. There's yeah. there's no small parts in this movie except for the reporters that are going to be surrounding you. Everybody's somebody. Yeah, because right, because yeah. if that character wasn't played by somebody with a little gravitas, you'd kind of be like, who's this? He'd right. stand out a little bit. Yeah, and the like one liners and small scenes are really good. Like that yeah. guy who goes, uh, um, paper. Uh, he's like newspaper. He goes yeah. no type in paper with, those, with his fingers. Type. Oh, great acting! And then Graham Jarvis, who runs the the uh, the Springs Inn or whatever. Uh-huh. Do you know who that is? No. Get ready. Please. Oh my God! He's the the uh, CEO of Schooner Tuna in Mr. Mom. <laughs> I knew I recognized him. Oh my God! He's the CEO of Schooner Tuna. Yeah, and he's in. Um, He's in some other Stephen King movies. So is Francis Sternberger. I forget what. Like we could theoretically do the Graham Jarvis trilogy if we put Mr. Mom in there. And I think the world's clamoring for it. Yeah, I think he fits in the whole the King uh, metaverse multiverse is based around that actor. Yeah, the Mr. Yeah. Mom Scooter Tuna CEO. Yeah. When I saw him, I I was flushed with recognition and <laughs> love for and coziness for this man. Yeah, and. He's not the one, though. Yes, he is. He's yeah. the runner of the inn because that yeah. is, in a movie with a lot of coziness, oh. that is when it gets the most cozy. It's about 25, 30 minutes in oh. when he visits that inn and there is a crackling fireplace. Even the sheriff's office is cozy. Lock me up and throw away the keys is what I say. I want Richard Farnsworth to be my sheriff and Francis Sternberger to be my deputy. And I've committed a crime where I like... Oh my God. Yeah. They just like shotgun um, the street sign or something. Yeah. You just, every morning they let you out. Yeah. You fire at a street. It's sort of like Otis the drunk and Andy Griffith. (laughs) And then they let you back in and they have like quilts waiting for you in your cell that they've like warm, kept warm. Like, thanks guys. Yeah. 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 You're like, thanks, Francis. And I did write down Farnsworth and Francis, which Mm. that's sort of. Well, it, that's what you call the spinoff movie I want of these two, just doing small town investigations. investigations. Murder, she wrote, Father Dowling Mysteries. Forget them. Forget them. Get I out of here. Farnsworth and Francis. Be damned. Yeah. Out there bickering with kind of magnetic sexual chemistry. Big time. Big time. On screen and I presume off. I mean, you I'd have love to, to see believe. those two just grind. Oh, they were out there in the snow with nothing but 60, neoprene butt pads to keep them insulated from the snow as they just go at it. They probably, you know how you built one of those spring traps for to catch 
like wild hares, like a, a oh, rabbit. Yes. Uh-huh. But that they've somehow worked it into a like a sex sling. Is this what you listeners have come? Just stick with it. Get you'll make it through this episode. You will. Sex sling. Paul, I forgot. We've got a little business. Oh, yes. Okay. First of all, you know, if you subscribe to Patreon at the baby xenomorph level, which is the highest oh, yes. level, you get a shout out. And there's one this week, and that's hey. Aaron Crabtree. He also wants a Southern lawyer reading. Okay. This is the last special request. We do this for you, Aaron Crabtree. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if that's going to be true. But. I would like to say for the record that today's baby gazenomorph is it. Aaron with two A's, Aaron Crab Tree. Now that's a tree that I could see defending in a court of law. I gotta go. Okay, that was beautiful. The uh, 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 Crab Tree is a really beautiful name to hear said by the Southern lawyer. I gotta crab say, tree. I understand the special request. Yeah. Now, are we safe to announce something about? Oh, I think, I think so. I think we are, too. I think so, too. Do you want to take it? Yeah, I love the gesture you did for it. I had to mime to him what I was talking about. Uh, so, so, uh, Matt, <clears throat> I guess I'm going to have to, like, clear my throat at least three times until I find the text with the full information. I know the date. Hey, let's do Is it. Is that all you need? Yeah. Okay. The date is May 3rd. May 3rd? It's Cinco de Mayo Eve Eve. Yeah, um, we know... Star Wars Day Eve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, may the 3rd be with you. Yes. Uh, Tuesday, May 3rd. You guys ever heard of a band that features Matt Gorley called Townland? And have you ever heard of a band that features Paul Rust called Don't Stop or We'll Die? Oh, well, we are doing a show together on Tuesday, May 3rd together uh at the federal bar that's right and together again together again like together again oh. uh you, have you guys seen the beginning of uh muppets take manhattan they sing together again now that feeling you got yeah just thinking about it that's the feeling you're gonna get when you come to this show Forget it. am it's i trying true. to promote this or I, it's just here's no. the information that's a you winning promotion we're back at the Federal Bar, which was cozy as can be and was Very a rousing cozy. success, I think. Yeah, I yeah, even despite sort of um, – we got sort of a, a, a rush of um, uh, Delta, Delta variant. Oh, yeah. Scare that we were kind of – Was that Delta or Omicron? That was – was it Delta? It was Delta, I think. No. It was between Delta and, and right on the upsurge of Omicron. Man, this is so sad. We used to talk about this way about Stones records. <laughs> I think it happened between Exile and Tattoo You, right, man? <laughs> I think it was between the ghosts that haunt me and God shuffled his feet to Crash Test Dummy records. I'm so sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, we, got, we have to move everything to the uh, CTD yeah. timeline. Um, uh, and if you love CTD, yeah, you're gonna really love uh, the show, but yeah, uh, we'll have uh, uh, I think there'll be ticket, yeah, I don't think it's up yet, yeah, but But, you know, put in your calendar, yes, go down and get some ticks, absolutely. Uh, Um, uh, you guys had um, a great show last time. Oh, you guys, we're we were only sparking. The flame that is Don't Stop or We'll Die. The bonfire, the burning man without 
all the burning man well i will say i don't think i said this at all at the time but now in reflection i do think each of our music um is an outgrowth of our personalities and livelihoods both on mic and off mic yeah in that you guys are uh so calm and confident <laughs> and like oh, that's a that's a reassuring and like um a stillness that is like beautiful and then i come on my mask is constantly falling from my face and i believe you said pooling sweat was in there pooling right? sweat inside my mask <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, the, when wrestling, when guys try to lose weight wrestling, and they wear those. Oh uh, yeah, the plastic, the plastic suits, <laughs> which I did wear once to dress up as the Tin Man uh, for Halloween once. I was like, God, fucking damn it! Oh, this I thing thought, is so hot. I thought you meant you wore that in preparation to lose weight so you could be the Tin Man. <laughs> but I will say, after you took off that mask that night, your snout area had shrunk incredibly. You'd lost so much weight around your mouth. It was like you had eaten alum from an old Warner Brothers cartoon. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I remember you walked in and then walked out and you saw my small mouth. (laughs) And as you walked out, I I yelled out, I was wearing a mask. (laughs) I was wearing a mask. You mean when you wear a mask, your mouth gets smaller? It shrivels up. Like a turtle. <laughs> you I don't were know saying, what I'm trying to I do. was wearing a mask. I was wearing a mask. <laughs> oh, my tiny little mouth. Yeah. The words are trying to trumpet. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Where? Oh, oh, oh. And then, like, my bass strap is falling over the place. And I'm just, uh, uh, it's like here when we're at the podcast, I'm knocking bottles of water over and I'm yeah. jittery and moving and you oh, have the great. Zen stillness. Yeah. You're, you, whatever our yin to your yang is, it's, it's yin and yang. Yeah. But people can't see it when we record the podcast, but I'm kind of jittery, man. I'm always moving around a little bit. You're you fidge, fidge, fidge in the best way. Yeah. I think of myself as a fidgety guy too. I don't think so. I think we both, We've talked about. It. I think we both have anxiety. Certainly. Um, so it's it's maybe our different approaches to anxiety. Yeah. But I don't. I don't. I wouldn't see you as fidgety. Mm, I'm more fidgety at night. Mm. Come around eight o'clock, and you'll see the the fidgets, the, the fidget hour, the fidgeting. Ah, so the five o'clock, uh, the, the four o'clock, um, Fid- a group, uh, oh. fussies oh, yeah. for babies. Yeah, and then the eight o'clock. Fidgies. Fidgies. For yeah. grown-ups. I got the fidgies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get the fidgies all day. Nighttime is when the fidgies go kind of away, which is That's, nice. See, you've got the better end of that deal. I mean, my mornings are good, but my nights, man. I'm a, I'm a fidget king of Chicago. What you, <laughs> uh, the fidget king of Chicago. <laughs> You're Abe Fidget. <laughs> do you, um, how do you deal not very well. I have that stupid restless leg thing, mm. and it's just miserable. But I have found because you know th- they don't really know what's going on with that scientifically. Because mm-hmm. y- you're often here like exercise and diet, which agreed, yes, but it's a neurological Always. thing. Yeah. Apparently, that's what they know. Oh. I will notice it's triggered by me when I have sugar, drink alcohol, or when I used to kind of get high. I haven't in a while. Hmm. 
anything that's like a chemical change in my brain mm. activates my yakakata. I call them the Jake legs, and uh-huh. I get them. And um, is so, that in the morning? Like, if you drink caffeine or anything? No, caffeine or? doesn't seem to do it. I, it's a nighttime thing, and and frequently mm. restless legs is a nighttime thing for people. It's some weird neurological thing. I don't know what it is. I wish I knew. The diet thing is interesting because I realized at the very beginning of quarantine, if I ate really sugary things, especially Starbursts, before I went to dinner. <laughs> I love how you've been able to narrow it down. <laughs> uh, because I could eat like sugar like ice cream and it does nothing. Oh, interesting. By nothing, I mean no bad dreams. But if oh. I eat Starbursts or sugary candy stuff, before I have the worst anxiety dreams really? and the the only th- good thing about it is i wake up with the rush of relief that that's not yes, my life but that's so a that's, high price to pay you should start trying to narrow it down further like is it the yellow starburst <laughs> is it the pink ones well I, what i was bringing it up was i saw a little mini bag of sour patch kids a couple of nights ago in a in a tin like right before I went to sleep, and I was like, "This, you might have bad dreams, but this little bag of sour patch, I ate it, went to sleep, had the worst dreams." <sighs> so you've hit that point. I, there used to be a time where I could just like eat a a huge bowl of crunch berries before bed, and it wasn't an issue. I can't anymore. Is it just because on the evolutionary or on the human history? I, I mean, I, I'm using stupid words. I'm an idiot right now, but like. Uh, uh, it's because usually we were like dead by now. I, I think <laughs> like it's your that. body's like not like yeah. I think used it's also, to drinking alcohol and then waking up the next morning after right. like age forty. I think that's probably it. There was probably also <laughs> like agriculture was natural, so crunch berries had no pesticides in them before. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're really big on contrails too, right? <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm suggesting that crunch berries are a natural berry that grow in the wild. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant just chemicals and foods. Well, that's true. But that yes, too. oh, oh, I know. And then the, back when primitive man used to just like pick crunch berries from the vine and eat them straight. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they're like um, notoriously like anti-union, like crunch berries. Well, uh, Captain Crunches, he's a union buster. Because he doesn't want to, un- he doesn't want his crew to unionize. Yeah, I. Uh, he's a. I mean, he's a captain of a ship. I'm sure he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> he is an asshole, but he has so much to deal with with the soggies. How up on your you're captain crunch lore? You're defending CC right now. Oh, because is this what's going to tear this podcast apart? Well, I think one thing that we can agree on about Captain Crunch, yes, is that his eyebrows are on his hat. You are right. And Correct. does he wear the hat solely because he doesn't have eyebrows? Like, why not get some decent Groucho glasses? Those come with eyebrows. Uh, did we digress? Uh, I think we digest. What? Crunch berries. Crunch berries and sour patch kids. Oops, all berries. Hey, oh, uh, oh, my gosh. Did we... Bury the lead. I love misery. I. Uh, it it seems crazy to say that I love misery because yes. it doesn't it doesn't follow. Oh, you have but, to almost go. I love inverted commas. Right. Uh, misery. Is that what do you say? Quote unquote. Yeah. It's like saying I hate happiness. 
I love misery. But you're right. And I think I mentioned I'd watched Amanda you didn't and like I that watched Todd Collins movie. Uh, Happiness. I think I did like it, but I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you were saying Amanda and I watched this movie not long ago. So there was part of me that's like, uh, mm. you know, it's not as exciting to see. But the minute this thing started rolling, mm-hmm. just yeah. I was swept away. Yeah. So you and Amanda watched it. Uh, did you watch it the second time with her? You got she you watched a little bit and then went to bed. She yeah. goes to bed about around four p.m. <laughs> <laughs> no. My uh, wife uh, Leslie and I we love watching Misery together. Yeah, um, see there it is again. I love watching Misery. The, the, it's like in the movie when they toast to Misery. Yeah, now that doesn't make no sense oh. at all. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so what was uh? that's been your um in your uh recent internet history but what about the full internet escape browser yeah your netscape browser of misery i don't think i've seen this movie for so long because when we watched it we watched it probably in second half of quarantine maybe last halloween maybe Mm -hmm. i don't think i'd seen it for 20 years probably yeah, and uh-huh. I certainly saw it when it came out. I know I either saw it in the theater or immediately on home video because it was all the buzz. And and Kathy Bates won an Oscar. It's the only Stephen King Oscar that's ever been won. Yeah, uh, uh, he's been nominated for. He's had movies, his movies that have been adapted, been nominated for other stuff, but never won. And it's his favorite adaptation. Thank you, Brantley Palmer. Hey, uh, BP. Thank you so much. British Petroleum, you're doing great work. (laughs) BP, you're doing great work. Don't take that out of context. Uh, 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 Yeah, uh, I do think uh, Stephen King also really liked the uh, adaptation for Stand By Me. So he seems to like Rob Reiner. And then... uh, he wanted Rob Reiner to do this, right? He yes. wouldn't give it up as an adaptation. He took it straight to Rob Reiner. I yeah. yeah. Stephen King, he loves uh, or doesn't seem to really uh, resist having a movie ad- adapt. It doesn't have hangups about it like other authors, some other authors, but uh, this, he this does with Misery because it was personal and special. And you get it to Rob Reiner, who then gives it to William Goldman, and now we're talking. Hey. He's reteaming with William Goldman from Princess yes. Bride. Right. But it does show you when you get A-listers working on a Stephen King, that this, this, this series we're doing is proof that Stephen King alone is not enough. I mean, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. He is for his novels. For his bo- novels, but yeah. for the adaptations, you're right. Uh, because I think what it is is the – premise is usually great right and the story attached to the premise is great or the characters are somehow stephen king has a mastery over people's brains in terms of like stories that like captivate them so you just extract that Mm -hmm. then you get somebody like william goldman who's a great screenwriter and then uh rob reiner who's a great craftsperson yeah uh, and then you put them together and then uh uh yeah exactly right like uh, and then really uh great actors too and do you think when someone like rob reiner and william goldman come along and i i think maybe even with the shining is there's something about these directors that take king's material and ground it a little more than it is in the novels because in the book yeah i believe she cuts off his foot she saws it or hatchets it or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 She takes out his, uh, 
uh, little ankle bones and like grounds them down or something like that. That was the Ugh. misery was you talked about playground talk about Stephen King stuff when you were a kid growing up. Yeah. Misery because that came out in third grade when I was in third grade. And that's when people could start reading Stephen King mm. books. You'd start seating in third and fourth grade. And also it came out mm. fall of 1990. So that was like a huge Stephen King like bonanza. I mean, there seems to be ones every five or six years yeah. or 12 years or something. But uh, uh, the, uh, um, uh, of all these side notes, quick side note. Did you see my, uh, my, uh, uh, my buddy Steve Hyretz, uh tweeted at us uh, like an hour ago. But my friend Steve, I grew up with him. I went to, uh, he was in my kindergarten class. Oh, wow. He was at my wedding. I've known, uh, love Steve. He was my college roommate. Oh. Um, just a great, great guy. Very funny. Hi, Steve. And a great, hi, Steve. And uh, 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 just a great person, kind, uh, but also uh, a great mind. He was the one who, in a class full of great spellers, Matt, hands down, won every spelling contest, loved to read, was like the kid people knew loved reading Stephen King books. Mm. Now, I remember looking over and it was almost kind of exciting to look over in a desk and just see like the scary cover oh, of yeah. it in somebody's desk oh, in wow. school. Oh, wow. Um and so I just always knew Steve is like the, my, probably my most well-read friend growing up. And then, uh, um, he just tweeted us like an hour ago. Cause I think he, he's listening to podcasts and loves Stephen King. He said, he just found out when he went back home last Christmas, his parents told him that they got called in at our Catholic school to have uh, a meeting about how Steve is reading Stephen King in class. Like that's scandalous at a Catholic school. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God. And I remember oh. in fourth grade, <laughs> the teachers finding out because my friend uh, Matt Mazoon was reading Misery and they found out these Stephen King books were going around and it was basically, I, I'm curious, I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has some sort of like, who's, you know, certain ages, just this was like the version of like EC Comics, which was like, you're grown up, your parents didn't want you reading this trash. And it's like, you realize when you tell us not to read it, that yeah. good luck. Yeah. Like now everybody in class. So they got the whole class together and we're like, we've heard some of you are reading these Stephen King book, but, but, but like you shouldn't. Now everybody's asking Matt Mazoon, like what's in the book? Uh. What happens? And he's like, well, he opens his wallet and he has a condom in it. We're like, whoa. <laughs> like, so, anyway, 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 I'm getting some. So, Steve Hyrett said um, that happened. They brought him in and he just said this sort of offhandedly in the tweet, but I actually thought it was like, what he did had his cool parent, parents. What was his parent? Yeah. I want to know. This is the, well, oh, yeah, I, I was it. just saying the, sorry, the long story. The end is uh, he was like, he just said this offhandedly and then he was like, uh, my, my parents had my back and that, you know, I was like, that is so cool. So damn cool. Yeah. My parents had my back. Yeah. And I had like a little tug of like, um, it's so funny that like, you know, just a parent facing off with like the Catholic school yeah. and then taking the side of their kid. Um, it did make me think of the drive over here. I was reflecting on it. I was like, it's funny that I'm uh, 40 years old and uh, I still get a little charge from blasphemy. 
Meaning like hearing about it, yeah, doing yeah. it, thinking about it. It's yeah. so funny that it's like wired in me that I'm like, ooh, that feel felt good. Yeah. Having parents stand up to the Catholic school just like gave me such a charge. It's grandfathered in. That's gonna be with you your whole life. I, I did think. think I was like, how oh, yeah. I will never shake this, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's that's such a great story, Steve. Hats off to you and your folks. Yeah, yeah. And Man. then also the coolness of them not Telling him about it, them fight, him finding out about it as an adult. It was just sort of this oh, quiet. Oh, I didn't realize that part. Yeah, he found out just last Christmas when oh he went back. So God. this kind of like quiet, unsaid moment of parents supporting And they didn't their even kids. make him self-conscious about it. Yeah, like, yeah. Just enjoy your book. Yeah. That's so great. My parents, you know, I think all of our parents probably who, if your kids are in a certain generation of creative field, most of the parents were like... Hey, if a kid's reading, being creative, yeah. doing anything that's not destructive, who gives a shit? That's like that time I took my mom the Journey Escape cassette and said, I can't listen to this. They do drugs. And she said, well, that doesn't mean you have to. Oh, and go listen to it. Oh, I know. Cool parent. Hey, that was the one thing. Uh, boomers. Yeah. They got rid of some of the hangups. That's true. Gotta oh, hand um, it to them for that. It's funny. The teachers, though, that reaction is very Annie Wilkes. Uh, uh, of misery, yeah. the sort of like, yes. Why do I have to read books with profanity I in know. it? And yeah. uh, it, it's sort of um, a thing, a character of its time. I think that was like a snapshot in the eighties of like the moral majority, oh, or sure. both on the right and left, you know, with like Tipper Gore and parental advisory stickers. That doesn't have its same. Uh, I mean, this person exists, but like the idea of the conservative she has like an elect nixon pennant and stuff in her yes, scrapbook yeah. a conservative person who is chiding about morality that's just kind of like but is gone. committing infanticide <laughs> yes yeah. yeah yeah justifiable in her her mind i guess but uh well speaking of web browsers let's yes. go back to a yes. tab and tell us your first experience with this film if you remember it did you you were in third grade. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out fall of 1990. So I didn't get to see it in the theater. But I would say age nine is when I fully logged on in my brain as uh, so much computer techno talk. But uh, oh, Well, that's because we got our finger on the pulse of, of, of the world. <laughs> we're in Silicon Valley right now. We're futurists. <laughs> uh, 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 um when I just like was like I love movies mm -hmm. like that's like was oh, my yeah. identity it was like I am a movie lover that's my thing yeah. so uh, ooh, I think I didn't get to see it in theaters but by the like you uh, or I know you said either theaters or home video for I you I know when it came out on home video I got to see it yeah and this is the uh, what's probably one of the reasons I love it so much it was the first authorized R-rated movie I got to watch. Uh, Meaning like, your parents yeah. sanctioned, signed off. You had your paperwork done. Yeah, I'd seen plenty of R-rated movies sneaking off yes. and watching with friends, but like now at age nine, and my parents were like, we've seen Misery. It's great. You can watch Misery. It and is I think, a good rated R gateway movie. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like, there's really, um, if you have hangups about who, who wouldn't 
wanting your wanting to watch something with your kids that's like sexual, like there's zero yeah, kind of like it's really just the foot busting and the word cocksucker, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then the uh fight at the end, like if you don't oh, want to see a typewriter oh, land on a or a head land on a typewriter. Or you or you don't want to see a Farnsworth get shotgunned through the that's chest. That's true. So yeah. you could just do some little eye closey things. Yeah. Uh and I think um uh also I think for a kid it would kind of like blow their mind this thing of like Oh, when I'm sick in bed and I am left vulnerable to the people who it, it'd just be kind of wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, oh, oh, sorry. So, so, um, I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, my parents being like, we, you know, my family loved thrillers and mysteries and suspense movies, Hitchcock movies. Uh, that was the thing that brought our family together was like loving to watch those movies. And so, I think it was like the modern version of this, mm, like yeah. coming out. And um, and I did think about it. There's a parallel with, a little bit with um, like an R-rated movie that is so good by it's just high qualityness. You're going to let your kid like watch yeah, it. I know Godfather people, for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, your parents were like, you're allowed to watch yeah. this because – that's awesome. I know for some people too, it was like um, Terminator 2, which is just oh, like yeah. sort of like, this is such a big budget, right. spectacular studio movie. Like, I'm going to let you see this R rated movie. Uh, but, um, well, for, I should say for me, it was Godfather, but before that was Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> yeah, your parents took you on opening night, right? You have got, they, they, they went, went to the back day. They went and saw it and they came right home, picked us up. <laughs> And not didn't but, even like every other showing. We got there for the next showing. But I, I think you told me this was it was like um, the movie was so vivid in their mind that they walked <laughs> from the theater to the house to pick you up and then walked you back because they didn't want to get no cars. Oh, never again. They walked yeah, they, from there on out. They continued to walk. And they took wind-powered transportation from then on. Uh, um, the, the parallel I was going to say is like um, – uh, By the way, we also never watered our plants again after that movie. Why? Because of the sprinklers. <laughs> <laughs> and you never mowed your lawn either. No. And you never uh, set up a shot of a camera in front of a lawnmower <laughs> <laughs> with the blades still in it. Uh, um, oh, the parallel I was going to say is like when you're uh, you make jokes in class, and uh, maybe it's even a little. Risky, yeah. Um, but if it makes the teacher, the authority figure, laugh, yeah, well, you're in the clear because oh, yeah. it's like undeniable, like the quality got you. So, you, yeah. I can't get in too much trouble. Oh, no, no, sir. Same with misery, like, yeah. same with R rated movies that are like, it's like, uh, yeah, it's R rated, but it's just like so good, it would be wrong to deny, like, yeah. you having this, uh, and uh, so yeah. I have a lot of fondness for that reason. And then I think I didn't watch it for probably like 10 or 15 years. Watched it a bunch of times, probably like third grade to like seventh grade. Then went away from it. Watched it probably when I moved to Los Angeles. I was like, holy shit. Misery is awesome. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's some nostalgia, uh, but a lot of it. I, I think it holds up. I mean, it's it's a, a little campy for lack of a better term mm -hmm. at times but in such a wonderful way i mean it really rides the line nicely yeah i i give it like status of like pretty much perfect 
there's only two nitpicks I have, and they're so tiny. It kind of shows how great the movie is that those would be my nitpicks. And they kind of fit into the uh, campy yeah. level. The kind of like, there's a moment where it sort of like goes out side of the what feels like the could tone. be really yeah 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 i'm curious to hear what those are uh do you want to save it yeah or? no uh, i um camp reveal number one <laughs> uh the um first one i don't well i only remember one and in the notes i'll see it but okay. the, um i don't like the um don uh, perignon joke like her not being able to yeah. pronounce that because i feel like it's kind of it's not even like a oh don't punch down it's just like easy and cheap oh and the other one is i just remembered it when he drops the hairpin or, or when he opens the lock with the hairpin he goes that actually works oh yeah those two things are kind of like <laughs> two outside the movie Man, i wonder about that dom perignon I'm trying to remember at the time because that kind of became a trope and I I feel like it might have been on the heels of this. Mm. So maybe that was more revolutionary at the time. Where it's, like, it's, it's still like the showgirls, like, it's a Versace. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's still like a, um, I think what it is is like by that point I have such a complex relationship yeah. with Annie she doesn't need to be the dumb person who mispronounces right. uh, 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 an elite coastal thing. It just kind of rubs me the I wrong way. I wonder if it's that way in the book. I thought that too. Someone let us know. It it did re- those both those moments because I did think like, yeah, what's the William Goldman? Can we talk about William Goldman? Sure. Uh, the um, I love all the president's men. Oh, me too. God, do I love that movie. It is just so... Anybody, literally anybody at any moment could ask me if I'd want to watch all the President's oh, yeah. Men, I'd me say too. yes. Me too. Um, and, and did the, he he did Marathon Man? Yes. Oh, yeah. The book, right? Uh, the book, yeah, and the yeah. adaptation. And I then love the book. He also wrote the book magic right and adapted that which is another movie we might watch oh, yeah. in terms of that's been on my short list for i've else. never seen it i've never seen the whole thing too scared i hate magic no what about dummies ventriloquist dummies. i love dummies so i'm real torn <laughs> what about the dummies. orlando magic what what about the basketball team the orlando magic <sighs> what are their iqs uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're all geniuses. Men's- and I'm not interested. I want dummies <laughs> oh, and magic. Okay. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. My weird jokes and references are taking, <laughs> they're one step removed from quick connection. <laughs> no, it's on me. Um, wait, the, uh, uh, oh, so William Goldman. So misery kind of reminds me a little bit of all the president's been in that like, oh, he's got a talent for like people sitting in a, Two characters yeah. sitting in a room, making yeah. that like not just watchable, but more compelling than action yes, sequences. Right. Is, um, I know. Mind blowing. Just I a mind blowing thing to pull off. Um, outside of that, though, controversial. I don't know how I feel all the time about William Goldman. What do you mean outside of that? Like, what? what I shouldn't a- let his off 
the stuff outside his work but he writes Examples. these books like uh, um uh, uh uh well first of all i feel like butch cassidy and the sundance kid is a little overrated i haven't seen it in probably 20 years and i feel years. like what was probably really cool about it when i came out as sort of now the bane of my existence in movies now which is kind of this like Hip contemporary vernacular speak I, in I'm a period you. or in a setting you wouldn't expect it. I, I'm with you. And it's just filled with that. And I don't like Robert Redford, which is also why it's crazy that I like all the president because it's just, but that's kind of what I've got. A, part, part of the problem with last Jedi for me was it felt like it was steeped in internet vernacular and gifable comic moments that, that felt of its time rather than of a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, or in dialogue with something that I'm not in dialogue with, or I'm yeah. an outsider to. I go, oh, yeah, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what it's, the signifier means. Or ultimate, whatever. it's like immediately dated to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I get that with Butch Cassidy and A Knight's Tale. Oh, yes. You did like glittering glitter bean <laughs> slathered over your Knight's Tale. And queen songs and <laughs> uh, but uh uh and it's mainly so it's butch cassidy and it's kid and stuff like that but it's also i've read his books like uh um uh uh, uh adventures in the screen trade mm. is that really the popular one and then read some of uh which lie did i tell mm. and i love reading them because they're like stories and memoirs about show business and screenwriting and show business so they're so juicy and he he's the one who coined that famous expression um uh um uh nobody knows anything mm. uh people try to figure out what's popular when you're making a movie but nobody knows anything you can't yeah. it is like the expression he coined but even though he put that out there, uh, in every story he tells, uh, you know, maybe nobody knows anything except he, William <laughs> Goldman. There's a second sentence to that old adage. Yeah, and it's always like, uh, it, ultimately the end of the stories have this like kind of theme of, I wasn't wrong, I wasn't in the wrong, don't blame me for what went wrong interesting and it's such a fucking annoying yeah, attitude that, that's yeah well, you could leave that out you've <laughs> yeah. done enough good you don't need to justify the bad right yes yeah so it doesn't i mean i love misery so much uh and i think it's probably a lot to do with william goldman so yeah. i gotta give it but yeah can i say something really quickly yes and then i need to take a pee break by the way i want to bring back the pee thing just for this one with pissery well of course okay please um based on your sanctioned rated r movies yes I, that made me think of something when i used to work at disney and we would do these fairly short shows so we would have sometimes 40 minutes every hour of break time so we would share this break room with other performing adults like union performer adults anywhere from 20 to 60 <laughs> And we would want to watch a movie sometimes. We had a TV and a VCR, and there was one woman who was so religious and couldn't watch, self-sanctioned, couldn't watch rated R movies that she wouldn't allow us to watch rated R movies. Any rated R movie, if it was just rated R. I hate that person. I, I know. it's. It, 
It is the uh, 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 your rights end with my nose and your fisting. It's kind of like, just step out of the room. Exactly. If the majority won't. But Disney's such a like uptight workplace culture that all she had to do was threaten to to, Uh, watch. I think she did tell. What if it was R-rated movies released by Touchstone Pictures? No, man. Subsidiary of Disney. You're like, down and out in Beverly Hills? No, couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, We'd have to get like clean flicks versions. I told you about the guy who lived above me in an apartment and uh, he came down because he said the TV was too loud. He was our landlord who lived above us. Nightmare. Uh, One thing to ask for the volume turned down. That's fair. Yeah. But then he was like, could you turn it down? It's a little loud and (laughs) there's some not nice language. I'm, I'm into these shows. Would you mind putting these shows on? I don't want to watch them, but I want to hear them just the bass through the floorboards. Uh, I I will say it is funny. Uh, This movie kind of gets at something, which is like, she's watching Love Connection, which is just trash. Absolute trash. And what's on display is just this kind of vulgar, cheap horniness. (laughs) And But she gets hung up about... Somebody uses the, he's trying to write a book about his upbringing. He's like, that's how people in the streets talked. And she doesn't like that. Uh, It did really hit something in me, which was like, um, we had a a teacher of high school who's, it was known she would let her, she didn't let her kids watch the Simpsons, Mm -hmm. but they could watch like friends. And as a 16 year old, I remember getting so angry about that because yeah. it was like what you don't like is like the subversiveness i maybe didn't have the words for it but you didn't like the subversiveness of the simpsons friends is so much more like tawdry and like kind of rotten for your mind but it was yeah. it it was favorable because at least the attractive people are having sex like they should. And they're part of an establishment as opposed to Bart who's bucking the system with his skateboard and his yes. phraseology. And yeah. It's like if this, Annie's Wilkes is the perfect example of, of so many things. Yeah, we haven't on, even got to the fan stuff. But, right. Yeah. But on paper or as a title, love connection. It's like yeah it, it, like sanctioned love but you're right it's super trashy liberace's safe uh, classic crooner but if she knew that he was like kind of a gay and in the most wonderful way like materialistic hedonist she would be right. scandalized you know but she would be so deep in that that she wouldn't even see or believe those rumors you know i haven't thought about that that love connection liberace and his misery novels are all um, romance, fairy tales, love yeah. that's drained of actual like true like real. eroticism yeah. or a real or like a gray area or nuance. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, let's watch some love connections while we take our bathroom. Break. Okay, let's do it. We'll be back in two and two. <laughs> we'll be back in <laughs> number two and two with Corley and Ryan. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. With and rest. I just want to say that I went to go pee in, in the bathroom. Amanda's giving Glenn a bath to George Harrison's Got My Mind Set on You, and she's just splashing all over the place. It was um, heaven. Of course. Yeah. Uh, 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 oh, oh, boy. Can I just say, I've gotten to see Glenn now when I come here, and she is just the light. <laughs> Of a life. You guys are so lucky right now (laughs) Uh, and forever to have this little girl in your life. What a sweetie. She's a dream. She's a dream. And I think, as you know, I said this off mic last time. I was like, it's literally like if you did a a point and click of like, I'm going to take the cutest eyes and drag them onto this face. I'm going to take the cutest nose and drag it on the face. It's got the cutest, she's got cutest eyes, nose, mouth, chin, cheeks, uh, I ears. don't know. Everybody says she looks like me and I'm hoping that's not the case. You know, like get more Amanda. But there is that weird theory that keeps coming up that people say, I've not read into this, but that right. the, I, the no, firstborn yeah. daughter son looks like the father so that evolutionarily they would stick around. That's the theory which cracks me up. So that the father genetically is like, this is mine can recognize that and he'll stick around. But does he intrinsically have to know what he looks like other than seeing his reflection in a stream? If we're talking primitive man, right. How would he even know what he himself looks like? Unless it's just some instinctual thing of like, I recognize this. I don't know. That's funny. My, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, the light of my life, my daughter. Oh, who, uh, who, my God. Uh, she, uh, she, um, uh, has, um, she said uh, a few days ago, she was like, it's annoying that I can't see my own face. She said that? Yeah. And I was like, you mean with, I knew what she was saying. Like, you mean like without a mirror, you can't yeah. look at, and she was like, yeah. And I thought, oh, that's kind of the first existential right. kind of like, yeah. and it was right on the heels of uh, uh, this other thing she said about a week before that, which was like, sometimes I'm thinking about something and it's in my head and sometimes I w- want to stop thinking about it, but I'll think about it. It was something like that. And I was like, oh, another kind of like, must be the age where she's going to put on 
a little beret. <laughs> Have a little goatee and be like striped shirt. It, uh, striped shirt. It is a shame that I can't look at my own face. Oh God! I want you to dress her up like that and have her say that and just send me a picture. I'll I'll take it and it'll be like her at a table in a dark corner with a candlelight. Like, oh, by the way, I meant to send you a picture because we talked about something off mic too, where we were just talking about boomers. Ah, and I mentioned that I know of a boomer sort of nearby that is such a boomer that they have their address on their house in four places. (gasps) (laughs) And I have, I took a picture to show you. I was thinking about that as I parked here. And and you can get them all in one pretty close field photo. (laughs) So that means one's own field of vision could also oh, see all four. You could it. wear blinders and see them in portrait mode. I could put all four of them. In fact, I'll show it to you. So this, um, let's just call things out here. This comes with, hey, everybody wants control, but this kind of uh, particular sort of psycho <laughs> uh, uh, relationship uh, with the outer world is can get a little can feel a little a boomy yeah so you can see that this is portrait mode you got the curb the mailbox uh, like stairway banister and the house four within a vert I mean I would say they are kind of vertically stacked all within I'm not joking about like a five foot range like if you walked straight in a five foot wide path vertically up the stairs you would hit you'd be able to touch all four signs i guess uh if you're the giant center baby center of the universe (laughs) and the world the rest of the world are idiots (laughs) what mail is so important to them that they need to who's coming to that house going Well, I see that's the address, but I better double check. Okay, good. Double check. I am just as psycho as these people. Yeah. Three three times that's been on there. No, I'm not leaving any mail. I'm not leaving any mail. I've only seen their address three times. Oh, oh. I should have looked farther. Four times. Okay. You know, when you told me that last uh, week, I we were just kind of trading stories about people being nosy and telling you what to do and i we the the multiple signs uh the numbers of the house capped it off so i didn't share my my, i had one which was um i'm stepping out to my car there is garbage cans outside my house they don't have lids on them and we've tried to get lids. Oh, you must be the scourge of the the boomerhood. Yes. Oh my gosh, my blood is like boiling right now. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> and just a bit it. You know, we've gotten. We know how to get lids. We've gotten lids before. Lids get taken off. So we've already, our family has addressed this lid situation. (laughs) I'm walking out to my car. This person walking by stops. 
of a particular age born between 1947 and uh, 1960 and uh, 62 and, uh, and goes, uh, hey, hey, you know, um, you can get lids for these. Okay. Like, like under the guise of I'm helping you, right? Exactly. Oh, the passive That is oh, good. what, and then this is the Ann Wilkes of it. Sort of the lack of self-awareness or self-reflection to go, why am I doing this? Yeah. Is it, am I really Ask yourself trying to, yeah, who's, why who's you seek the cup of Christ? Uh, uh, or is this moment kind of about getting in somebody else's oh. life? Oh, yes. And... Hey man, I thought the hippie ideal is we're all gonna try to oh, live free no, no. and be the Beatles and do, no. live the lives we want. No. Don't tell me to get the lids for my <laughs> oh my lordy. <laughs> so also this the sort of like lack of uh, not just self reflection but also the consideration for lives are as complicated are, are yeah. can be complicated and. Maybe somebody else has, tr maybe these people have tried to get these lids before. Maybe they're on their own and journey with the lids. Whether they do or don't have lids, it changes your life in zero degrees. Whether you have lids or not means nothing to their life. Oh my God, yes. How is this person's life enhanced or not enhanced? It by turns my out you have the stinkiest trash in the world and it's just permeating through the neighborhood and that this person is a millennial. You're just leaving those uh, two things out. <laughs> yeah, and I can't sew either. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll go on other gripes, I'm sure, about yeah. that. Uh, but um, I know that that sort of tongue clicking and, and finger wagging and stuff has kind of like now maybe gone on to social media for Gen Xers and millennials and the yeah. Zoomer, the, the, the Gen Ys yeah. or the, the Gen Zs. But, um, oh, I'm sure we've done it on this podcast. Oh, I'm doing it right now by getting, you know, it's yeah. the, but, uh, I do, f I'm hopeful. I feel like the personal interface, passive aggressive, I'm helping you, but I'm also judging you. I know that's always going to be with us, but I, I have a hope that it's, Gonna die, 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 out. die say out. it, die out. Yeah, you hope racism, you hope that kind of passive aggressive lecturing is gonna die out. The same woman that lives in this four addressed house lectured us on our baby, and it went on so long that we literally put Glenn in the car seat. We both got in the car. I'm not even joking. She stood in front of our car with her arms on her hips still talking about what we needed to do with our baby, having no awareness that we had shut the doors and windows and she was blocking our exit. Paul, help me. No, I get it. And then also just the like, um, what a, a thing. Like talking through glass of a running car. Yeah. This person probably can't even hear you and yet you still talk. And I just want to say that if there are any listeners of boomer age listening to this the sheer fact that you're listening to this the greatest podcast means you're not that type of boomer um yeah also it's like anybody if you 
you're getting grouped in with somebody and you feel like you're not that, then you're not that. Yeah. And if you're worried about that, <laughs> you're not that. It means you have some self-awareness. Yeah. Everybody wants to go and hashtag not all men. <laughs> Please don't do that. That's ugly. Not all boomers, though. I'd love to see you guys start that one. <laughs> I have people. I have seen people push back sometimes online. Like I'm born, I'm progressive. I want these things. Don't group me. And I was like, I get it, I get it. And I, I, I have thought before, like, ooh, when do I have to start calling out ageism before I'm old? So it seems like it's just in my self interest. Uh, you gotta get it. Probably in. should start now. Uh, no, of course there are boomers. That it's like, wrong like to that. say these things about boomers. We're being ageist right now. Ageism is bad. You hear that? 12-year-olds right now? <laughs> yeah. I'm not being ageist. I'm being generationalist. My mom's a boomer and she's not at all like this. She's very, like, very conscious of people's space and, you know. Yeah. Oh, same. I mean, I know more people who aren't that of that age than people who are, if I'm being honest with myself. But it's so funny that we both went on a rant about it. Like, that's what a boomer thing to do. I just outboomered the boomers. Okay. I'll I'll just as a placeholder for subsequent episodes. Yeah. I think I've tried to make sense of it as like a um I just gotta then put in the time about self Yes. You have to analysis about my right. generation. You have to match it like failures. a corporation matches a donation. <laughs> Like if, I, if I'm going to take 10 minutes to shit on boomers, I've got to take 10 minutes of introspection. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Like, and because uh, I can shit on the generation before me and I'll be tempted to want to shit on the younger generation mm-hmm. as I'm growing up. But I think if I just go kind of like, oh, these were our failures and this is what sucks about my oh, age group. I got it for Gen X. I mean, all we do is slack off and listen to Nirvana. Like, get with it, everybody. When I'm not podcasting, I'm on a couch with a flannel shirt listening to Nirvana Unplugged. And that's because I'm now an older generation. But just person. the meat puppets. Songs. Oh, oh yeah. And when I wake up in the morning, I feel the sun. I tell you, I was listening to that in my car one time. I grinded my gears. I had a manual transmission, and it ground in the same key as that song. (laughs) And and then I would do it on purpose. (laughs) Boy. Okay. Let's get on to misery. Um, I want to say, first of all, that I probably have the least amount of notes for this than I have for almost any movie we've ever done. And I find that that's the correlation between a truly quality movie. There's movies that we really love, but like Terror Train, where there's tons of notes because there's lots of shit to take apart. But this is a movie that I just, for the most part, watched. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Can you imagine? (laughs) I would say... um, I mean, my uh, I have notes, but they um, comparatively to others, they are uh, fewer. Yeah, um, I probably already hit on half these notes. Same just discussion, and just you know, for completism, maybe as I even go by the note, I'll say, "Hey, we talked about that." Yeah, um, same. So, uh, yes, this was my first authorized R-rated movie. Your, um, you saw it either in the theater or hot off on video. I think I saw it in the theater and I would have been probably a junior in high school. So probably like going, driving up to Puente Hills Mall, the Lone, Twin Pines Mall. Lone Pines Mall? Lone Pine Mall now, I think. 
Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I probably went up there and saw it with high school friends on a Friday night, you know. I envy- went to like a 50s diner after that ah! they had there. Yeah. I envy the, uh, 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 at the end, once he sets the manuscript on fire and like they start wrestling. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I would love to have been in a movie theater with a, a big audience. I know. Because uh, I bet people were, that movie's just, it's like 75 minutes of just like building tension and then it goes crazy. I don't remember the reaction in the theater, but I do remember it was great. <laughs> I, I saw it on video that it, I was going wild. Um, uh, okay, so this... Um, The, the the last time I watched Misery, I think was maybe like three years ago, and it was the first time it really hit me. Like, oh, this is interesting in the age of internet fandom. Mm-hmm. This kind of like yeah. the demands that the fan makes, and that she knows creator. so much about him. Yes, biologic. I mean, biographically, and can use that then to like uh, mess with them. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, knows the things about. Hey, I know that's not true because you said on Merv Griffin that you only have one copy yes, of your manuscript yeah. and you don't make any other copies. Right. Um, but uh, it was the first time watching. I I thought that. I mean, I do think the movie and the book came out of like. It's funny that the, like to say I'm your number one fan when that when the movie came out, it kind of like underlined that as like a psycho says that like. Yeah. Don't say that. Like yeah. I know now, don't ever say to somebody, I'm your number one fan. Right. It just sounds like a crazy person right. says that. But I think it's interesting because I think it came out of um you could put this in a line with like um fans who were deadly, like um uh Mark David Chapman coming mm-hmm. John Lennon and yeah. having like an obsession with a celebrity. And seeing that they owe you something and then killing them because, you know, obviously there's something else going on. Uh, or that guy who killed the My Sister Sam, yeah. Rebecca Schaefer. But, you know, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy are kind of about like somebody being like, I want to kill a politician or I want to kidnap that famous person so I can. Um, even Lauren Bacall, who's in this movie, is in an amazing movie called The Fan before the Robert De Niro one oh. where she's a, oh, yeah. a movie star. She's basically kind of playing like a Lauren Bacall. Michael Bean oh, wow. is her obsessed fan. And talk about close-ups. The movie, if you're a De Palma fan, it's just kind of like a good De Palma ripoff. It opens with these macro, I don't know what they are, like intense, they used a special lens so they could get super zoom close-ups on like typewriters and letters and stuff oh. in the opening credits of the fan while he writes a letter to her. And is it a good movie overall? It is. It's oh, really yeah. good. And it's funny that she's in this just like 10 years later because the movie was a, just a firestorm of controversy, uh, Matt, because it came after the Lennon death. And she's like a star who lives in New York, who has an obsessive fan. And people were like, why are you making this after, uh, um, that's a long way of saying that I think when Misery came out, it's not like that was like not in the zeitgeist. But what seems to be the difference in the thing that this movie was foretelling is the idea that a fan thinks they have the right mm. to dictate toxic fan culture. Yes, yes. what yeah. the work should be. And when the work 
didn't go how you wanted it, how you can get the artist to go back to the thing you wanted, which way ahead of its time. For yeah. Me. And not even knowing what was coming. Right. Because yeah. I think Stephen King, he wrote a fantasy novel in the mid eighties, like, like the green dragon or something like that. And people's reaction that it wasn't a horror novel. Mm. I think it was partly what he was like basing this on. It's like, oh, you can only be one thing. Don't be something else. Um, but now when you see um, petitions, the fan thing that I really hate is like the petitions to like bring something back, which is exactly what she does. Like misery dies. And she's like, you have to come up with a hacky way to yeah. bring something back. Um, that, that all goes all the way back to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who killed Sherlock Holmes. And there was such an uproar that he brought him back. Is that true? Yeah. yeah. How did he do it? What I was don't the- know. I mean, I guess it is like as old as the hills, like, uh, right? Fans getting upset that a character was killed, and then yeah, I mean, you even look at—it's not quite the same thing, but Queen Elizabeth reportedly loved Falstaff in the Henry history plays that she commissioned Shakespeare to write a comedy where Falstaff falls in love, and that's how *Merry Wives of Windsor* was written. One of only two Shakespeare plays that are original in ideas that and the tempest i remember you saying that about the that there was one of only two original plays that he wrote but i didn't that's funny that that's like the first like fan yeah yeah not fanfic but can you write my fanfic commission commission fanfic yeah that's wild uh yeah i think the like the uh, when people are like want to bring a show back and stuff, I do think it's like some sort of like I'm trying to grapple with like their own mortality. Like, no, I think things right. can't end. If things could come back, why wouldn't you bring it back? The entitlement is born out of this weird thing of of you made something so good that it's bigger than you now, Ugh, and you yeah. actually are. It's your responsibility to keep this going because so many people now depend on it. Because we're entitled so to it. So we're going to send thousands and thousands of peanuts to a studio. What was that? Was it? Oh, yes. Uh, Firefly or? Yeah. And then uh, Bananas for Arrested Development. Yeah. And the fact that that got copied. It's one thing that it happened once. Yes. Like that's kind of interesting and original one right. time and barely at that. Right. But then, yeah, you get down to like, oh, no. Um Babylon 12 has been canceled, <laughs> so we're sending you just baloney because it sounds like Babylon. <laughs> Is that true? No. Oh, my God. Five pieces of bab- <laughs> baloney of Babylon. Uh, yeah, and it's a little like that Simpsons episode where Homer gets to make the car and then the car is just filled. Like, uh, the person who makes it <laughs> yeah. is sometimes the person who's right about how it should go. Yeah. I'm sorry. I can't think of one time anybody has ever gone back and it's even as good. Challenge, Matt. Tell me. When oh, was a You mean like something's been dead or dormant and then did return? Yeah. The, it's not, not counting as, sequels, because like Godfather yeah, Part Two is like right. I don't see that as like a we all thought this was done and we like yeah. we have to figure out a way to go back to this thing that people loved. The only thing I can think of, and it's not better, but I found it to be really good because it had evolved into a new thing was the Deadwood movie 10 years later. Ah. It was way more mellow and nuanced, almost like 
David Milch had aged and matured and the characters had. That's cool. It's not it's not any better, but I was that liked a, um, it a lot. I wonder if uh it was a movie? Yeah, for HBO. I wonder if like maybe doing a different mm-hmm. form is helps. I think so. But like, I you're you're right. Like they're really I can't think of anything that's really justified itself as a as a return. Uh it also is yeah, kind of like druggy too. It's like I like the first yeah. fix I got and it's like it'll never it's diminishing returns. It, yeah, it's you never gonna fix. be as good as the first time. So. I mean, I watched the Star Wars prequels and it truly is just to get a fix. I hear a lightsaber go off. I see a lightsaber. Right. I'm getting a fix, but it's not it's not healthy, it's not good. Yeah, it's there's not, not like a nutritional uh <laughs> no, it truly is just like I need a bump. That's my <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. yeah. Do you think um, James Co Khan? I don't know what I'm talking about. Was, uh, he was like a wild man. Yeah. In the 70s. And he's, uh, this is a very sweaty dovetail to this movie, but like uh, seeing James Khan mellowed in this character, in this role. It's one of my favorite cons. I agree. And did you read in the research that speaking of fidgety, he was, he's a very fidgety actor and that Rob Reiner had to continually, he would even joke with him when he'd come on set today, like, okay, where it's no movement. And he's so understated in this, which is so good next to, to Kathy Bates. I mean, Kathy Bates really goes mellow at times and her levels are amazing. But when she really goes and, he just sits there with the still look in his feet. Like yeah. they'll cut to him when she'll leave the room and he, yeah. he doesn't even change expression really. Yeah. He's just like staring at her or when he flips her off in the window. Yeah, Maybe yeah. The, one of the better moments of the film. Oh my Cause God. he's, he's just resigned that he's probably going to die. So why even cater to her anymore? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, um, also, yeah, the acting start like that. This was her first like major, starring role certainly but for even sure like, she was plucked from broadway for this yeah and you can kind of still see like in a way that i like a theatricality yeah. that's uh-huh. there of like her exactly trying to what is it play for the house yeah and, yeah and communicate a feeling sort of not broadly but just in a way that it emanates it, it reads to all readers yeah yeah and then James Kahn, who's like been in movies now for uh by that point 20 plus years or so yeah. and, and on camera acting 30 or something is just like doing like nothing, nothing. It's like all in his eyes and stuff. And then you get these amazing close-ups too, that like fit the close-ups of all the objects that are just like really yeah. great. I wish that's the other thing that I wish I could have seen it in a movie theater is I would just love a close-up of that mattress, like with the oh, slit in it and putting a pill. I would love to see like a mattress Huge. that big and a pill that big yeah. and stuff get put. Yeah. So Kathy Bates was always in mind for this, even though she hadn't done any movies, but the offers went out first to Robert Redford, Warren Beatty, William Hurt, and Richard Dreyfus, who all turned it down. And then it went to con. Yeah. And the story, the um, story was that, Guys were turning it down because it was like, oh, I'm inactive. I wouldn't want to have to. This is like a very passive character. Yeah. Um, and I think 
they sort of got James Caan not at a bargain, but just I think his career his career wasn't yeah. at what those guys were at no. that time. Um, uh, but yeah, it's kind of bold because he just has to play sort of an impotent guy. And apparently Warren Beatty came on board and helped work through the plot holes in the script to make Paul less passive. Yeah, to this I like research. that note. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, the um, Yeah, and that she... Oh, this was the note that blew my mind. Was <laughs> that James Caan, speaking of Warren Beatty, James Caan and Kathy Bates are in Dick Tracy that came out summer 90 before yeah. this fall 90. So they were actually in a movie together. Just I never, I had known James Caan did a cameo and Kathy Bates plays like a typist in that movie, uh, but yeah. I never put it together. I like, oh, that was the same year before. I just watched that movie like in the recent past too. Uh, it's hard to even know which actors are in that movie because they're under yeah. like a lot of makeup and stuff. Yeah. But um, unless it's Al Pacino who can be apparent, obvious that it's Al Pacino through 80 pounds of makeup. <laughs> You mean Big Boy Caprice? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I also just eventually like the dynamic that those two get. The the about halfway into the movie, it's like such a funny just duo of like sort of the upbeat but psychotic nitwit, and then the like slow burning, yeah, dry, yeah complainer is just like a really there's points where their scenes are just like so funny it's got to be a lot of it is reiner's direction because you don't james con needs to do nothing because we as the audience are all thinking the same thing he is so he yeah. doesn't need to tell us anything well i think that's like what's a uh, kind of best about those uh what i think was good about those rob reiner movies is he was sort of consciously or unconsciously challenging himself to do a different genre mm. Each time. And so instead of somebody who's like, well, my thing is I always make thrillers, like a mm. David Fincher or something. It's like, uh, oh, I'm only going to make one suspense movie. So I'm going to make it the most like studied version. Like It's just like a... I did think when I was watching this, man, if you were just a film student and you wanted to watch a movie about like just easy simple textbook versions of suspense it's pretty awesome it's just like oh yeah one person leaves this room you're in there you go around the room mm. that person starts coming back will that person get back in bed before it like it's just uh so many good yeah he said himself in this research that he wanted to do something about an author trapped in his own success because he had felt that he was trapped in his all his meathead role from all in the family and was still trying to yeah i thought that was interesting that that's yeah. What's going on with Rob Reiner? That's mm -hmm. what was going on with Stephen King. Yeah. And I did think when I was watching this, I hadn't had the thought before. Maybe it's because of reading the notes. Like, what's cool about this is obviously it's a very particular, like, writer, creative person, like, challenge of, like, um, oh, uh, Stay in your one lane. Yeah. You can't be other things. Right. Also, the, like, not getting respect from the, critics he kind of makes stuff that the general population likes but i did think like oh maybe with the strength of this movie is like um specifically you can't maybe always identify but broadly everybody feels like oh i feel like i'm more than one thing mm -hmm. 
but the world kind of is always telling me I can only be one thing. And then the um, fight of like, uh, um, uh, there's people I want to get respect from and I can't get that respect, but I know I'm capable of it. Like those are the Paul Sheldon's kind of two things that yeah. I was like, Oh, right or not. Everybody yeah. feels oh, that yeah, way. Absolutely. Um, also just like the suckiness of like, being trapped somewhere while you recover. Oh yeah. Like even in a hospital, talk about fidgety. Oh, when you're waiting until they can say you can leave, that is, that pushes some buttons for me, Matt. Oh, me too. too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so how did you watch this man? Uh, just a few months ago, I, you know, I got a 4k player and I went and bought three, discs for myself to watch and one of them was misery oh my god how nice uh and then just lo and behold we start the spring king flag and i got my copy of misery to watch oh nice i watched it on plex shout out Stephen glander so did you show. get the uh mgm castle rock opening yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah castle rock yeah um the uh uh and then there's some typewriter font mm-hmm. for the credits yeah uh i liked it i thought it was pretty cool yeah Looks also like the same typewriter for the for that movie Rush, with Jason Patrick and I want I've been meaning Jennifer to watch Jason that Lee. and the Eric Clapton single, uh, "Lift Me Up." Is that what it's yeah, called? Yeah, what was that? Uh, Lift me up before you go go. No, uh, he, I don't know, but I remember it was the B side to the single I had of Tears in Heaven. So those were like the 91, 1991 jammers of his. That was the B side to the A side. I think so. Or now, wait a minute. Now am I... Did he and Elton John do the song together for that movie called Runaway Train? Oh my God. I know of Soul Asylum's Runaway Train, but I don't it's know not that. The, the, the John and um, Clapton Runaway. collabo. Yeah, let's look it up. Um, the uh, uh, oh, uh, you know, at the beginning. Um, oh, what was it? Yeah, nineteen ninety-two. Elton John and Eric Clapton, "Runaway Train." But I want to find out if that was from the movie. Uh, no, because it must not have been because the B-side was a song called Understanding Women. This is from the oh, Lethal boy. Weapon 3 soundtrack. <laughs> okay, well, Clapton so just, gets his uh, six string all over that score. Oh, yeah. Just, just uh, for reference, here's Runaway Train for a second. <laughs> Let me skip ads. Cut to the hook. Round next week, I'm running ahead of my days. Shotgun chance that has shattered <laughs> us. I've seen the error of my ways. Here we go. Nope, pre chorus. Come on, listener, you can uh, do it. Hang no, on, you can this. make it through this episode. Here we go. We wrapped up. Oh, God, another verse? Because you got to get Clapton in there? I love you seeing this. I mean, I don't love. <laughs> you don't love this the, song. These, that guitar makes me feel so weird. 
the station, waiting in the rain. Yeah. Starting to feel a little muscle again, but the love lost like a runaway train. Wow. Ooh. Oh, I'm out of control and out of my hands. I'm tearing like a demon through no man's land. Hey. Trying to get a grip on my life again. Nice. Nothing hits harder than a runaway train. There it is. That was beautiful. Bravo. Also, this- wait a minute. Yeah. That song wasn't literally about a runaway. It was like a metaphor. I've never thought of that as how runaway train could be a metaphor. Well, I think though in this case, because it's Eric Clapton, it's probably just literal, like cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's Rush's song is oh Tears in Heaven is from the Rush soundtrack. So Whoa. yeah, Help Me Up is is the song. So I'm was thinking. the only way you could get the non-acoustic version of Tears in Heaven? The non-unplugged version was by buying... Oh, I hate this sound. Paul, I can't go with you. I'm into it. Ugh. No, not this, but... Help me up before you go, go. I'm uh, not planning on just going Just blue solo. and yellow neon Michelob signs is all I see right now. In a, in and a the, billiard hall. And a strong hall. desire like, to go home. Yeah. Uh, no, I believe, yeah, the Tears in Heaven was on this soundtrack, but you could get it as a single, which it oh, was released as a single. what you had to And do. boy, did I. We'll just hear the hook. I just, the reason I was concerned about being on the Rush soundtrack is I don't want anybody else making money off that song but Eric Clapton. Oh, I, yeah, because he's become a good man. Let me down. I'm going to wake up in heaven, not the cold, cold ground. Uh, last night, Amanda said, Let's let's play some dance music for Glenn before we put her to bed. What do you want to hear? I said, well, why don't you put on It's in the Way That You Use It by Eric Clapton. We, I mean, I was trashing Clapton. I was going to be like, <laughs> except, well, there's songs and the cream songs that are like cool. And do we fun. do a special episode of Trashing Clapton? Because <laughs> uh, I, I was a huge Clapton fan. He's a despicable human being now. Maybe probably always was. Who I knows think, what, what you end up with when he went through what he went through. But Yeah, I think you were... You were of a time where it was like Clapton is God. So I get how like you, it's hard to kind of like. But you're giving me too much credit because that And also, I don't mean to say age group. We're no. like only a few years apart. I'm just saying that I was part of the like, because of Unplugged, I think every like was like, this guy sucks. I, there was no <laughs> example of something, him being good. Also, this dude, so you I loved right. it when he started telling people they shouldn't wear masks or whatever. Yeah. You like, are giving me too much credit because. I came to Clapton late when I should have known better. Unplugged era. Then I went back and dug into his catalog. And even beyond that with My Father's Eyes. Do you know that song? Yes. That didn't raise any red flags in me. What, what What's the, 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 the content of that song? Oh, it's about his father. But it's not that. It's that he went – He I think he collaborated with Babyface. So there's like these R&B hip-hop – drum beats that are kind of like drum machine beats you know well what? i remember also don't let me do the talking you, you <laughs> well i also in. remember him uh, collaborating with a baby face for uh change the world from that's the f- right, phenomenon too. soundtrack 
Oh, is, that is a, a god awful song. Yeah, that's that was the. I think that was my first moment where I went, "Is Clapton not God? <laughs> is God dead?" Here's my father's. This eyes. is the song you hear when you're on the car ride to church. Yeah, and like you're dreading having to go to church, and you're like, "Oh, and also the song playing on the radio on the way to church sucks too." I hate that song. Sailing down behind the sun, oh. waiting for my prince to come. What? Praying for the healing rain. He's a fan of Prince. To restore. That's when I was out. My uh. Just a toe rag on the run. What? Hey, how did I get here? What have I done? When will all hopes arise? Here we go. How will I know him when I look in my father's eyes? <sighs> Come on, listener. You I'm can like do driving it. back Stay from like us. a volleyball game that I didn't oh, like yeah. want to go to. And yeah. I was right in the back of a car oh. being like, <laughs> who would have thought? <sighs> We could afford a piano of our own. Sorry, that was a local commercial when I was a kid. Who would have thought well, about, for, about Col- for what? pianos? It was like, <laughs> who would have thought we could afford a piano of our Sweet. own? Uh, that the misery episode would have dovetailed so nicely, horribly. I, I, into I just feel trash and clapped. People who are huge fans of huge haters of misery and huge lovers of Eric Clapton. They must have had a real complicated uh, episode here. I will say, though, 24 nights of double CD of Clapton live at Albert Hall over 24 different nights of fucking good. Oh, my God. Matt, this oh, might tear God. us asunder. I don't... Look, Wait, I don't expect you, you to agree. Would you rather listen to Eric Clapton than Prince? <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> and can I follow that up with? That's on me. Okay. Okay. That's not... I have I, no pride. It's unfair to like kind of pose a question like that when I probably knew the answer. I think that question's I w- fair. I think you're you're not wrong in answering it, asking it. I'm wrong in answering it. Well, your answer is sure to cause some controversy. We're gonna follow up on uh, Trash and Clapton, our new Patreon bonus podcast, and Praise and Prince. Yeah. Oh boy. Mm. That's our uh, uh, Winston Prince, our like a uh, McLaughlin group. Yeah. Like we crossfire. Like yeah, <laughs> we come in with our opposing points <laughs> about Prince am, and Eric That's a losing battle for me. Uh, oh god! So when, at the beginning, when yeah. he 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 um, you find out. I'm later, just getting the feeling you're done talking about Clapton. <laughs> oh, Matt, no, no, I am. I'm kidding. Go. We can talk more about. Uh, no. I wouldn't do that. It was uh, my segue was bad. I'm sorry. Uh, I think it was right. I think you're doing okay. the right thing. I think you actually did a humanitarian thing. Okay. You need to get me off this quick. Get me off this uh, uh, runaway train. Oh my god! Also, uh, just yeah, back into the days of cream with badge. Like Thinking train. about the times you drove. In uh, my oh, car. I was gonna say we did. I play. Um, it's just the way that you use it a lot. Uh, or right, yeah, yeah, yeah it, but ironically, uh, no, it's like, mm, well, I put it on because I know the beginning will make Leslie laugh, yeah, because it's the beginning is just like right there, yeah, it's like, there's, dun, 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 
there's not even a beat in it. Yeah. It's just, it's in the way that you so It's a guaranteed it. laugh oh. when you hear that come out of another room. Guaranteed. Um, so did you, I was thinking, you know, you find out later that he has a cigarette after he finishes yeah. a novel. Because he quit smoking, but he allows himself one. Yeah. I was thinking it'd be funny if um, that was the rule, but he was like a chain smoker. So he had to like write novels really quick before he could <laughs> smoke a cigarette. And a champagne drunk. <laughs> Just, uh, this is your third bottle of uh, Don Barrion, uh, sir. Well, it's the 20th story I've written today, so get off my back. He's just in a room full of manuscripts. And they are like, all work and no play makes Paul a drunk boy. <laughs> well, the uh, speaking of The Shining, I also thought this beginning is like the reverse of the beginning of Shining. You're right. He's Instead driving of- in snow. Out of a mountain, down a mountain, Shit. not up a mountain. And it's with Stephen no King. Snow. Yes, Stephen King. And it's King. an author with and a crazy trapped person. in a in a crazy <gasps> kind of snowbound with a with a with a kook. Wow. Uh, the uh, and an old man that comes to save and gets killed. Oh, violently. I definitely was like, yes, I wrote that in the notes. I was like, this is the. Almost point by point, like the Scatman Crothers thing. And like a cute little guy, a little boy, and a cute little pig. I have a special treat. Uh, but he comes in, and you think he's going to be the rescue, and then he gets suddenly, abruptly killed. Right. That is totally The Shining. I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that Misery the Pig has an IMDb page. <gasps> And the, this is Misery the Pigs from, but she's it's the only movie she's done is Misery. <laughs> this is her his bio. Um, Misery the Pig rates highly as one of the best, most charming, and natural porcine thespians to ever grace the screen. Uh. Big, round, and brown, but still quite pretty and appealing just the same. She gave an absolutely convincing and masterful performance as herself in the outstanding 1990 Stephen King adaptation Misery. Alas, this picture proved to be Misery's sole foray into future film acting. <laughs> P.S. I like to fuck pigs. <laughs> Signed, Eric Clapton. <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, a pig probably would have a, it'd be hard to build up a body of work. Because the, the the lifespan is short and then. Even if you're talking natural lifespan, forget yes. getting chopped up for bacon. <laughs> right. Do you think they let that pig live a full life? Or? You would hope that like it earned, like they kind of put the pig in this, you know, there's that Screen Actors Guild for Aging Actors, that home. <laughs> yeah. Like there is like Animal Actors Farm. Oh my God. That'd be so cute. They're like, they're stars. You're like, oh my God. Well, with it, did, I mean, Universal has that Animal Actors stage where a lot of the retired Animal <laughs> Actors go, or not even retired. I mean, that's their day job and then they go work on movies. Well, yeah, I believe that. Animal Show had some kind of controversy because I think a, a, an orangutan got his bra stolen. <laughs> that he came in and <laughs> just so you guys know, at the Animal Show, they ask a volunteer to come up to the audience. He's usually a, a kid, a boy, and they have him. <laughs> they're like, "We have an amazing dog. Whatever you think about, oh, yes, it can right. go and find it backstage." Yep. And they're like, "Think of something." And then the dog runs back and comes out with a bra in its yeah. mouth, which is already funny. Yeah, this kid was thinking about a bra. Yeah, not boobs, a bra. Bra. <laughs> 
and the dog knew that and went and took a bra. It's a it's a okay. classic bit. The bit could end there, and we'd all be like, yeah. "I'm glad I spent sixty five dollars yes. for Universal right. Studios. Right. I got what I every cent right now this moment." But somehow they give you they go beyond that. Uh, they hit they elevate it, and don't you know, uh, red. Orangutan. And uh, for years, I believe the same orangutan that played Clyde in the Any Which Way <sighs> movies. So a true star. Yes. A cameo. <laughs> a gleaming white hot star. An orangutan comes out with his arm covering his chest. Uh-huh. As if to say- With a shower cap on. Because <laughs> he was showering with the bra. I, I distinctly remember a shower cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a towel around yeah, its yeah, waist. Yeah. yeah. And then he comes and he steals the bra, like, you took my bra. Yes. Stores off the stage. It is golden. <sighs> it is just I don't perfect. think it's I perfect. had remembered that. And you recounting that has filled my life with joy. <laughs> it is really the most <laughs> joyful. You look around when that moment happens and everybody in the stands is just so overjoyed. <laughs> There's no, no instance of specifically an orangutan doing trained comic bits that, that doesn't it's like farting preacher to me it is it doesn't matter the where the bar of of <sighs> taste is it is universally and and just yes like potently funny yes. Yes. it makes me angry because it's so so great it has such power it almost is like makes me sick yeah yeah a man and i got stuck watching an orangutan driving a golf cart around some like you got stuck not stuck but it's just an orangutan driving a little electric cart but the the most nonchalant just like you know elbow on the side one hand leaning back it ain't no big thing just driving around where what it's like some resort in, in the <laughs> philippines or something I'll see if I can find it. By the way, I couldn't find on the last episode, I was going to post the Saturday Night Live sketch of, um, what was the- Oh, the spoof of- uh, 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 Not Dead Zone. I found that one, but I we know, talked the, about a second one. Uh, what was the second movie we watched? It wasn't Maximum Overdrive. It was Silver Bullet. Yeah, Silver oh, Bullet. It was the Gary Busey yes, helmet. I, I couldn't find it. Yeah. I tried. But maybe if I can find this one again, I'll put this this guy driving around. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me make a note. Good, good. That's good. Um I bet um did he ever like then pull over and pick up a bra off the ground? No, but he does drive other orangutans around. <laughs> In and a crazy people. fashion? No, that's oh. that's the thing. It's, it's like real order. responsible, chill, like just out for a cruise, just out for a drive. No big deal. This guy has been driving golf carts since he hit puberty. Who knows? Yeah, he was born in one, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, oh, I, the, got, I already got a pizzery again. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Yeah, Pillsbury. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> With Corley and Rust. With Corley and Rust. Has this episode been ex- especially tangent? Um, no, I um, I see them as kind of like um, when they would cut to. 
Farnsworth in Misery. Mm. A B a B storyline, basically? Yeah, that is actually very connected yeah. to the A story of oh, the book. We're going to wait yeah. till the end of this podcast when we un, we fold all of these things together. In. Oh, it's going to happen. Um, so uh, just to, yeah, going over uh, quickly uh, here, the, um, um, the, so he goes, uh, has that accident. Um, I noticed that his hardcover books kind of look like Sidney Sheldon books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but his name is Paul Sheldon, right? Is, oh, or right. is it Sidney Sheldon or I'm making uh-huh. that name up? Yeah. But those were kind of those like flowery looking. Oh yeah. Those romance novels. Yeah. yeah. And I got to say this movie's um, newspapers and paperback props are really great really good those paperbacks look like the real thing so do, yeah the newspapers i noticed that myself too. It, incredible how they make it also look like how newspapers have different styles within yeah. the same newspaper year to year or different newspapers against each other it's really incredible Whoever's doing prop work on this film hey Coots. well and also just the props i was gonna say that's one of the notes here the first look at his like swollen purple feet and stuff like that I that's funny that. i have a note on that saying that if i could have any prop from this movie it would be those prosthetics because i think they literally are like prosthetic Slip socks, on. yeah, like kind of like the Hobbit feet, but all the way up his calf. So they're like pros- like <sighs> latex boots that look like swollen feet. Oh my god! You just uh, you walk into a supermarket with those. <laughs> mm, can you imagine the heads turning? <laughs> or go on a flight and then you lift up your dress and you go like, "I think I have deep vein thrombosis." Land the plane. <laughs> oh, is that what happens when people you go up into the air and your yeah, legs start turning? Clot, yeah, oh, boy, yeah. I don't want that to happen to me. Well, anyway, mark that off on your bingo card, listener, if you thought we were <laughs> going to talk about deep vein thrombosis. Uh, we do meet quickly soon after that, Kathy Bates, and just, uh, we haven't fully, but just like, how just like oh, amazing is this Jesus. performance? Yeah. There's not one uh, wrong note. And uh, yeah. it truly, this word gets thrown around, but... Uh, Revelatory, a revelation. Yeah, she won an Oscar, and she does that thing that I love in an actor that can go right up to the edge of overacting, mm-hmm. and maybe even flirts with it. Yeah, but she's just in control of it. Like yeah. she's so she's like powder keg burning in her, but she can keep it contained. Another kind of shining comparison. She does have sort of that Nicholson quality yeah. of like you can kind of steep into bigness with the crazy, and people are still. Yeah, because I think the telltale thing is that when they go back to naturalistic acting, yeah, a lot of people even put a little cringy campiness in that. Yeah. She just plays it really straight. I'm not even talking about the time she's depressed when it's raining, when she's just yeah. otherwise conversing with him. Yeah. She's just It just is believable. Yeah. It's probably also what she's doing, uh, what the real, real actors do, which is she's performing it without uh, quotes. She or judgment, she's playing this character as yeah. if she's Annie and believes she's thinking right and she's a good person. There's not this kind of like, I'm laughing at the person I'm. No, and yeah. e- even watching this movie 30 years after it was made, 
there's a different context to watch it in where when this movie came out and we all saw it, everybody's just like, she's crazy. Yeah. She's insane. Well, well she's the, like got mental illness and needs help. And this well, that wouldn't was, have happened if she got it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was where the, her unknownness really made this movie yeah. huge was like the excitement, excitement of a performance from an actor you've right. really never seen before. And then also, uh, that it was such a distinctly like kooky. Yeah. I mean, uh, hats off to Kathy Bates that this is like, if this had been an actor's only performance and she had like faded into obscurity or back into theater acting, you'd be like, Oh, that's quite the career. Yeah. She won an Oscar from this like awesome kind of non Oscar Beatty movie. But the fact that this woman is so talented, this actor is so talented. She goes on and has like a huge yeah. film career. She's in Titanic, man. Yeah. Like, uh, and she's still working today and like gives really, really. I mean, I think one of my favorite performances, she's in the late shift. She plays mm. Jay Leno's, uh, oh, yes, agent. And it's right. really, it's incredible. She's also, I love her in About Schmidt, mm. just the same sort of stuff of kind of playing characters that could easily be caricatures, but yeah. Playing them with some kindness is like really, I love her. Yeah, she's great. Um, the uh, so then, um, we get some Farnsworth and Francis. He's trying to contact mm -hmm. this kind of came out in the, the, the same month span as Home Alone. <laughs> and if you just watched movies for that month, you would think like half of all movies are about like people trying to contact authorities <laughs> to check if somebody's like okay. <laughs> And then what's that That's gets like dispensed. your Batman critics. <laughs> I liked Misery all right. The first time I saw it, when it was home alone. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm a two film critic. I was always only going to critique two films my entire life. And uh, as far as I know, all films are about this one thing. <gasps> By the way, this YouTube page is still open and there's just a giant picture of Eric Clapton looking at me with the lyrics when I look in my father's eyes. I mean, it looks like if somebody walked in here and saw that, they would think that's your dad. Yes. And it's when I look in my father's eyes. <laughs> I should frame it. that. Oh my God, and blow it. But frame it, but with the YouTube like square around it, <laughs> the open tabs above it. Um, uh, okay, so I think like one of the... Oh, do you think Anne... A question I never thought about. Do you think Anne saw... His car crashed because she was stalking. A, I think she that's the implication. That, right? Yeah, I think that I is. I never picked up on that. Well, what I love is that if you've never seen this movie, you basically think it's a man that gets him out because she fireman carries him. You don't. They don't show her face or anything like yep, that. You just see her hands and yeah. more close-ups of the crowbar going to yeah, the door. And it just also, once you learn that it's her that did that, you kind of like, oh, she's also a physical threat. You know, she's yeah. got- Especially yeah. since he can't walk and uh, yeah. depends on her for help. Right. Um, uh, the the um, he's depending on her for help, and she has the power to like give it to him or not. I did think like um, I think my favorite part of this movie is sort of like the weird psychological. Like you watch the formation and like life and death of this kind of like really effed up perverse love psychologically effect. like love yeah. story that yeah. like is obviously so extreme but there are parts in it that i'm like i felt like annie before mm -hmm. i like when she goes 
uh, obviously not in the relationship I'm in now with my wife, but um, she says something like, I don't think I wrote it down. Cause I was like, Oh, this is um, well, while you're looking for it, I, yeah. I can think of one when she's, the pig comes in and she's doing that snorting and the pig goes out and she comes back in and does the snort. Like it's the giddy little girl who's in love and just wants to like have whimsy with her partner. Yes. And, yeah. And then when she finds out misery is alive again, it does those like twirls misery is alive. Uh, misery is alive. Yeah. Uh, um, she says, you'll never know the fear of losing someone like you if you're someone like me. Mm. Um, and I know you don't love me. Don't say you do. You're a beautiful, brilliant man, and I'm not a movie star type. <sighs> These are just like, I think, universal feelings people have. And then also that kind of like sick, just twisted idea of like, she likes him sick. Oh yeah. The way he gets her to do the things he wants is when he's like, I need like yeah. when he is and, almost and caught. He's like, yeah. you asshole, you left me without my drugs and now yeah. I need you. Like, yeah. and then she's there for him because it also reminded me like phantom thread is kind of filled mm -hmm. with all that, like keeping somebody sick when somebody's you're vulnerable and to somebody. Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah. 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 It seems like what she's doing, yeah, with the the kids at the end too, right? Um, Baron Munchausen's by Roxy Music. <laughs> did they do the soundtrack? Uh, I think um, they did. Okay. Um, the uh, uh, so yeah, around the time that she's gets upset how misery died, and then introduces her to his Sal misery. That's when he starts it's being like, oh, she's a weirdo and yeah. he's annoyed. Yeah. It's like really funny. Yeah. Uh, and then um, <laughs> I like the detail that she started. It's like what you were saying before of like, you don't understand. This thing has made me happy and you need to make sure you keep giving me things to make me happy is when she does say she first read the misery books when she was uh, depressed yeah. and needed an escape. And I was like, oh, that's. Well, I love it that is. too, but you then find out her husband didn't leave her. She she, she, ki killed, she killed him. him. Yeah. Probably because he was going to leave her. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. She, uh, you found out like he died from um, having his ankles beat to shit. <laughs> um, uh, when she freaks out that misery is dead, um, do you think, and like her saying like you have to bring him back, you killed him. You killed Misery. Do you think somebody would have that reaction if um, Jim Davis killed Garfield? Yes, I definitely do. <laughs> I might. <laughs> and it's not like retiring the comic strip. It's yeah. like Garfield like is murdered. Yeah. And they um, never find this killer. Yeah. I mean, there was an uproar when, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but a certain franchise I love. Oh, uh-huh. You know. Um, well, I guess I just spoiled it. The Fright Night, Fright Night 2, and the Fright Night reboot. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm talking about the Meatballs franchise. Police Academy. Oh, by the way, I just realized who my daughter sounds like. She sounds like Bobcat Goldthwait in um, Police Academy movies. All day long, she just... <laughs> I showed Amanda a video clip of it, and she, we just were like, yeah, that's... 
Does she uh, 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 ever hotwire a car by putting the wires in her teeth? She doesn't have teeth. She can't do that. <laughs> she does have teeth. She, she does. She got teeth at four months. She has her two bottom teeth. Oh, like that. So, yeah, girl. she's hot wiring like crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm tangenting. Um, Not at all. Um, oh, I also like this, the weird kind of sickness of how the day after she's like really screams at him and stuff the next morning she's really nice yeah and it did remind i don't think this is the textbook definition of cruelty but somebody described to me what cruelty was in college and it kind of blew my mind which was um cruelty is being nice to a dog and it's not cruelty to be nice to a dog and to kick it true cruelty is to be nice to a dog to kick it to be nice to the dog again and then kick it again. Ugh. Like, that's like, and that's what she's doing. Ugh. All right. Uh, what, when she says, you wrote this new book, I don't like this new book, this new direction you're going, so you're going to have to burn it. What, as you, of a fan of something, if you could ask an artist to burn that, a musician, filmmaker, doesn't have to be a novelist, would you go? I guess My Father's Eyes by Eric Clapton. <laughs> Uh, no, hold on. Let me think. Like someone you really like. Yeah. I I, I don't think you'd ever do this really no, early, but if you're in the position that Ann Wilkes is if in. You, if you had to. If you're a psycho. Ooh, boy. Do you have something? No. Uh, I was it's more thinking, tough. or what would other people's fans like? What, what are those for some fans? Oh, well, depending on like Star Wars, half would be burn Rise of Skywalker, half would be burn Last Jedi, where I'm like, no, give me everything. It doesn't ruin the earlier yeah. ones. You could say that about Crystal Skull. You could say that about, you know, some James Bond movies, certainly. Um, but yeah, because it, it is particularly like franchise-based, too. Yeah, because it's like, it's like character certain I care people about. see bad entries in a franchise as thinning the quality of everything they can't take it movie by movie which i don't have a problem doing yeah and that was the problem they had with the in the in the in scream five was the yeah yeah um the like not liking something in totality being having wrong components not being able to just go well that's one movie right. it doesn't spoil the batch kind of yeah mm-hmm. yeah um uh otherwise though godfather 2 <laughs> the uh go straight from one to three (laughs) (laughs) um i do think there's something uh kind of like really funny about the movie that it's like um yeah what if you met your fan and they were kind of obsessed but like what if your fan was like a nitwit with bad taste like what's that say about you oh it's yeah like that um like, look, look, I eat not in bed, but I'll eat Cheetos and drink Coke and watch trash TV just like Anne. So I'm not saying I'm better than her, but like, it is funny that he has to encounter like his demographic. Yeah. Well, I think about that all the time with Trump that he mm. wants so clearly to be with, you know, all of this is in quotes, but like the cool kids, you know. And he declassed himself out of that for better or for worse, and then had That's mob yeah. mob mentality people and real 
So a lot of, you know, frankly hate filled people. And those were the only fans he could get. And it's, he needs fandom so bad that he will look past or love and adoration. that, That kind of, it doesn't matter. As long as he has fans, he doesn't care. That's why I think he espoused all of their viewpoints, not because he believes in them, but because he has to cater to them or he won't have fans. It's incredible. That would be like uh, if uh, uh, in this example, Trump is like driving to New York for like a, he's just driving to New York he's to get to Trump Tower and he gets into an accident and he's saved by like a MAGA person. Mm-hmm. And he's so annoyed and this person is not anybody who would ever choose time is time to be with. And then he kills that person. He has to get out. And then when Trump gets out, the like getting a good review by the times is like the Washington post being like, um, uh, is it, are we now in an age of Trump and we like it? Yeah. Right. And you got your, uh, accolation yeah. that you wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you do, I you wonder like, yeah, what's, um, when somebody gets fans that they know, like I really love Norm MacDonald, but I had to unfollow his Reddit thread because the things vocal, not all, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a Norm MacDonald fan like this. I think he's like brilliant. It's just like, a, there's some people who just like, he says shit oh, you shouldn't yeah. say, and that's why we like him. So, so then all the Reddit threads are like bad versions of that edgelord type of comedy. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. It's really tough when you like someone, but you can't stand their demographic of fan base because is like it or not, you're going to cross with it if you want to seek out any content by them. Yeah, or if you want to be a part of the fan community yeah. because it's fun being a fan and yeah. it's fun being with other people who like the same shit you like i mean that's why we do the podcast right. but like uh uh yeah when i mean it's weird it's interesting because yeah i don't think any of these movies we watch ever get like really misused in a political realm or something that we really have to because they're sort of like you mean like a matrix or something uh, yeah or they're such garbage people consider them such garbage they you know the stephen king book you shouldn't be reading or whatever that like you get a um i don't know well it kind of happened i only know the basics of this right with rick and morty right like the fan base became real I don't know how to describe it, but like kind of red pill people and Dan Harmon eventually had to come out and go like, that's not what this is. Yeah. Right. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, huh. I wonder if that's just always matrix yeah. too. That's what the whole matrix four I think was about was kind of claiming it back. Right. Trying For to get back the, the red pill idea. Yeah. Which ultimately for my money is not reason to make a movie, you know? Yeah. And uh, about 20 I get years, you wonder if like red pill was still a meme that was like going around that <sighs> is now, yeah, it has to be about the matrix. Can't we just all purple pill Prince? <laughs> okay. Sign me up I'm for that purple pill. Uh, right. um, uh, the, um, my favorite close up I think is the mattress being cut open and the yeah. little pill being put in. Um, Oh, this kind of thing the of red like pill. Oh, well, oh well, well. God. Uh 
um, that was like seeing the cat twice. That's a, that was a little glitch in the matrix for oh, us. Yeah. Um, the, so Barry Sonnenfeld's the DP. Yeah. That's another one of the like, Hey, we, right. everybody, bunch of pros getting together to mm-hmm. make this movie. Um, uh, cause bef- this was his, I think last movie before he went started directing. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Barton Fink was the last one. Okay. But I see a little comparison. You could do a nice double feature between this and Barton Fink. Which is like the sort of trapped, agitated writer who's being forced to write stuff he doesn't want to. And this kind of like cheery everyman person who's sort of a yeah. keeps impinging on your space. But even like that, like the wallpaper is kind of this like hell. It's right. just this like depressing environment you have to be like forced to be creative in but also that yeah. sweet Barry Sonnenfeld uh, cinematography that look, too. not yeah. just the props but the scenic design costumes in this movie are so good the costumes they've got her in are so wonderful and the, how great to be a costume designer that you only like well there's probably 18 total costumes right. in this whole movie oh that makes me wonder how did Paul Sheldon get his oh is it the ex-husband's clothes yeah I think the, so. the dead I husband. know I like that they didn't describe that yeah I think very clearly it is because one of them actually has something written on it like oh really cattle ranch or something I forget oh cool forget what it said yeah I love that red flannel yeah I yeah sign me up for that yeah um so funny all that stuff of like uh she can't even use swear words right like can you cash that bastard of a check? Yeah. But she's like, uh, uh, and then calling him Mr. Man. But then the reveal that she screams cocksucker at the end is just uh, so great. I never caught oh, that. It's so great. It's so great because, well, why do you think it's so great? That it's all, she's just role playing up until that point. Yep. She's a rage filled person and is thinking these things all the time. Yep. And, and she wants to be perceived as a prude as yeah. opposed to really is one. Obviously she's a murderer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I also thought it was such a, uh, exactly. And I thought it was such a choice that it's when she does finally say a curse or a swear word, it's a really vile yeah, word. It's yeah. like a word that's like, Wrapped up in sex and shaming yeah. and, and you uh, get, you, a particular way of life. You get the sense that she's very sexual too, that she's high, like repressed, repressed completely yeah. and that I would mean, just go crazy. There's times where I've thought uh, just uh, only because calling, not only, this isn't the reason I thought this, but just um, we're talking about it because she called somebody a cocksucker. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where I'm like, oh, is Annie a lesbian? Yeah. And um, it's not to say all lesbians are killer. I don't think the movie is just sort of like these attempts at romance and sort of the safe version of romance, Liberace, Liberace. and yeah, misery yeah, novels yeah. is like just somebody who can't fully act on their desires. Right. right. But when she like hobbles him and says like, I love you. It's like, it's so funny. It's such a twisted little, like I know. Uh, funny romance. The hobbling is just so brutal. That was the thing from the movie, right? Yeah. What did you say? Absolutely. And it was, yeah, it was the thing you walked out talking about. And I remember, I remember that just, I don't remember whether I saw this in the theater or not, but I remember when I saw that. That was the first, yeah, that was like all I heard about misery was yeah. the, on this playground and parents talking about it was that hobbling scene. It's also so effective because there's hard, there's nothing visceral 
up until that point, really. Yeah. And then, so when you see it, when that foot fall over, it's kind of like, ooh, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, but uh, uh, also, it me what you were saying about like having somebody else kind of come in who's a little classy and adapt it. I wonder if, because Christine, uh, the John Carpenter comes after the thing, and it is pretty much goreless. There's mm. bloodless, um, and he was like, "That was a choice." I wonder if something, in a weird way, if a filmmaker is kind of like, "Ooh, I'm making, I'm adapting this paperback, trashy horror." What people see is Stephen King. They don't indulge in it, so that's kind of like. Christine actually isn't sort of like bottom barrel because he's not putting a lot of gore in. And in this, it's like, well, we're not going to do something trashy here. Yeah. Um, but it really only gets crazy bloody at the end mm -hmm. uh, when... Uh, when her head hits the typewriter. Yeah. And I remember freeze-framing that on video when I was a kid because it... I wanted to see what it looked like. And it is like a dummy head. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, I love that. But it's so quick. Um, and then, oh man, when he's shoving those ashes, the burnt oh, yeah. pages in her mouth and saying, choke on it. It's so visceral. It's so good. Yeah. And it's also she, just crazy. We're like, you're, you're so hooked by a movie. A man is like violently beating up a woman and you're rooting and for you're it. rooting for yeah. it it's like a crazy journey they put us on there but just in your face is covered with soot and blood and her hair is caked and but her eyes are oh yeah that is through. you know what other, other little moment i this time that really hit me as a sinister little moment and i loved it it was one of my favorites of the movie is when richard farnsworth comes in and she goes to make him tea and he wants to go upstairs, so he peeks out, and she's there, that and he fakes going back in, and then you think he's safe, and she comes out. Like the timing on that—it's so moment. good. Oh, yeah, and, and then and then uh, uh, it's so Annie too, how she does it, where she like does this kind of passive aggressive, like, "Well, wasn't that cute?" Yeah, how we both kind of caught each yeah. other, like, yeah, oh, but I love that. but that it is sinister. Uh, all those overhead shots too, like it reminded me in Psycho that part where the person gets up at the top of the stairs and then I don't know where it cuts the overhead of like uh, the mom and they partly do it so you can yeah. disguise the mom, but yeah. then it comes down. It's shocking. Cause you just like, oh, what yeah. we're up above. They do that with, um, and it's seared in my brain The when she drops the um, paper down on his legs when he's upset it about must getting, be cause he studied Hitchcock. Like he's yeah taking that directly. The uh, there's times it happens in um, Taxi Driver, um, like when he uh, goes to visit Betsy at her work, and he just Taxi Driver guy <laughs> gestures to her desk, and like it goes to an overhead shot of her desk as he puts his hand over it. Uh. It also happens when he goes and gets an interviewed by the or talks to his boss at the taxi place dispatcher at the beginning, and. I saw Taxi Driver when I was like seventh or eighth grade, and I remember when it cut to those, I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Did he do it in Goodfellas too? I think when they kill Billy Bats in the bar. Yeah, and for some reason, I remember that you know classic Exorcist three hallway hospital killer mm -hmm, scene mm -hmm. as overhead, and it's not. I'd oh wow, because it was so yeah. probably unusual. Um, 
But Scorsese has said that it is, he does those because of Hitchcock. Oh, wow. That they are like, uh, with the Bernard Herman score and yeah. stuff. It, um, but, uh, oh, right. His last score. Taxi. Driver. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ooh, the most natural shit I've ever heard is when, uh, James Conn drops the hairpin by the doorknob. Oh, yeah. He was like, shit. Yeah. I was like, ooh, that's good acting. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to pull off. Uh, uh, when I first saw the movie, those close-ups I wouldn't have been able to articulate got paid off when the penguin figurine mm-hmm. dropped off and I, like, gasped. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't so, notice that he put it up the wrong way when oh, I was a kid. yeah. Did you in watching this? I think or? so because yeah. I think... I just, it was that memory. extra te- extra textual breadcrumbs of going, why would they make something of this? Unless, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this was the first time I had seen like a really kind of like contemporary suspense movie. So all that stuff was working on me so hard. Him exploring the house when mm-hmm. I was, when I first saw it. And then of course the drugging him and putting him in the basement and then the person who could rescue coming to the door. And those are like my two favorite setups for I movies know. is like risky business being like, I got to get the party done before my parents come yeah. home or the like, uh, yeah. The, the like, is this person going to get rescued in time? Right. Uh, and though I, re- I was so just in the hand of that movie when he goes away, he goes away, he comes back to the door and you're like, I've been watching this movie for 80 minutes. This is how it's going to end. And then you don't see her grab the gun. So let's talk about that squib, baby. Monster squib. Huge. Beyond real. Like if somebody was that close in proximity behind somebody, would you have a shotgun blast that big? I Yeah, I yeah? think okay. generally. I mean, and if you notice when he falls down in his back, the entry wound's smaller. So shotguns, you know, pellets expand. I, wow. I don't know what the actual radius would be. I think it, it all literally depends on the load of the shell that you have. But yeah. I'm just trying to think of the mechanics of it that, you know, because we talked about how you have to score the material over a squib so that it's ready to break away uh-huh. and separate. This is a thick leather jacket. So the only thing I can figure is it's pre-cut in that kind of, it was almost like a rectangle or square that got blown away. And so that thick material was just fit back in there with no connective oh. tissue, just friction. And so when that big squib goes off, or it could have literally just been one little piece of fishing line pulling that piece off like they did with of all people heads. James Kahn's head squibs in um, The Godfather yeah. filament wire pulling it off I don't know in fact Brantley even touched on that in the in the research going I couldn't find any info on this squib uh, I remember that yeah the uh, and when I slowed it down you can kind of see an outline but it's hidden from the winter coat mm. like you wouldn't notice it's so quick yeah but, like I felt like I Something about his jacket changes. Like, yeah, it gets the the uh, sheep fur gets dirtier. It's really white uh, before they've prepped it, and then it's kind of everything is kind of mm. tamped down and darker. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's definitely a different yeah. rig. Yeah, I was trying to have my gorly eye on. Yeah, that oh, one. good. I'm proud of you. Uh, uh, <laughs> but also because you don't see her pull out the gun before. No. Your eye also isn't anticipating no. him getting shot. It's so good. It is also so like The Shining. Like you don't expect Jack Nicholson to come around the corner with the axe and bl- 
put a big blood stain on somebody's winter coated chest. It's <laughs> so much the same to the point where I'm actually, I actually got angry at this movie that Richard Farnsworth dies because it's such a good moment in the movie. But I then think of his wife and I think of, um, yeah. same with Scatman Crothers. I don't, they're yeah. two sweet men that are all good. It also really is just a jerk because you're like, oh, I was watching all those scenes yeah. to lead to nothing really. I like, know. I mean, I know that's the point. It's yeah. just like, uh, uh, um, and then, yeah, the uh, just speaking of Farnsworth, so oh, awesome, right? The best. The, uh, the thing I was going to say was the fact that when this movie isn't the writer trapped in the cabin with this crazy fan movie is cowboy, de- old cowboy I know, detective. I I'm like, that. either way, wherever we go, I'm so happy. Or we're in the cool cosmopolitan New York yeah. office of a, a literary agent. Any three of those I want to like hang Just out in. Just give me the Rashomon version of the three films called Misery. And the we trilogy. See, yeah, yeah. And you see. Oh. Speaking of his office, um, so we have a little debate at our home. How do you hang a horseshoe? Do you hang it at you or upside down you? I say you because you keep catches, the luck in. Yeah. You don't want that luck draining out. You want to hold it in on your house. Leslie feels, no, you make it upside down so the luck can rain down on you. You shower in the luck. Yeah. Um, first time I've ever seen it, the sheriff has it both ways. What do you mean both ways? He On his wall, he has one upside down and one right side up. Oh, wow. So he's like, I'm covering all my bases with yeah. the horseshoes. Uh, the other- uh, It didn't um, work though. No. Uh, maybe he needed some more. Yeah. Or maybe he shouldn't have tried to have it both ways. Yeah. Um, so. The other little, uh, it's not in the sheriff's office, but I loved all the collection of the VHS tapes. Yes, I noticed that too. I freeze framed it. <laughs> two, two copies of um, Harper, um, and not Harper Valley PTA. No, let me see. Uh, 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 at first, I thought it was Hooper, and I was like really oh. excited. Like two c- copies of Hooper. I know where this. Tooper Hooper. Well, didn't you also accidentally give an extra copy of Hooper to your brother? No, every birthday and Christmas, I give him a copy of Hooper. Oh, but when I saw two copies and I thought it was two copies of Hooper, I was like, Uh, ooh. I got to hit it. I got to hit it up. Uh, Where is that? I'm sorry. I. Oh, you know what? I took a picture. Well, while you're looking, I'll give my last note. And that Please. is at the end when Khan is walking down the street in New York with his cane and he has this suit with shoulder pads. I think it's in his contract that every movie he's in, he's got to have a suit with shoulder pads. Like he loves that almost zoot suited look. Who? Uh, James, James Khan. Godfather, this. Dick Tracy. Dick no, Tracy. he doesn't. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, Probably leaving Las Vegas or no. Uh, honeymoon uh, in honey, Vegas. Do yeah. yeah. Do you think he. I mean, I think James Conn is a short man. But he's broad-shouldered. So he, that he gives him the, accent. it accentuates yeah. the positives. I think so, yeah. Um, the other movie, oh, Two Harpers, a Paul Newman movie, Harper. Oh. Um, which I think is a, um, uh, the other movies there, there was a copy of Rob Reiner's own When Harry Met Sally. Ah. Uh, I also saw some copies of Roots. Um, That's what I saw, Roots, yeah. The Man with the X-Ray Eyes, um, Mad Max. Anyway. Um, And then... uh, 
Okay. Um, did you see that whiteout next to the typewriter? No. Brought me back to some whiteout days. Oh, yeah. Do you kids even know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I love the, um, well, when the Farnsworth is like talking to the guy, it's so small town. Well, if you put benches outside your shop, you yeah. got to expect people to sit down on your benches. Yeah. Or when he <laughs> asks about Annie to the innkeeper and he's like, something wrong? Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knows in a small town, if yeah. you just like whisper, oh, I think she's up to something. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, when that wine gets tipped over, how soul crushing oh, is I that? Know. I know. Um, hey, got it. For a movie that's in not many locations, for them to not that over a span of time to deploy a montage 70 minutes in. Yeah. And it's, I think the best montage ever made. Oh my God. Wow. In terms of wanting to show a process of something over a passage of time, not just passage of time, yeah. but how like it has almost those kind of motion controlled shots yeah. that are going across that are going time. And then it picks up by the very end and does those awesome little like, it stays in the same thing, but you see him morning, night, a dinner finished in front of him. It's just, yeah. you see the seasons change. And Richard Farnsworth reading the books too, right? Yeah. Isn't that in there? Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't yeah. ask for a better mom, yeah. my friend. <laughs> Is the him taking- Oh, he's playing the typewriter like a piano while the uh, Liberace is oh, yeah, playing. That's and right. they somehow find a way to add the music to make it look like he's playing yeah. the piano. It's really great. Anyway, sorry. Richard Farnsworth pulling that quote and then finding it in the newspapers may be the only thing that's a little too far and not fully necessary to me. I think he would have investigated and found out about her all the same, I think. Yeah, the reading the books thing is kind of like... I think it's cool because I like seeing him hold yeah, these paperbacks and stuff and seeing him be a dedicated detective and stuff. But like the shoe leather of it yeah. and what his point off is it really thumb leather <laughs> yes <laughs> uh um i think the last uh oh when she you know occasionally she drives away and leaves him alone i was thinking the last time she did it instead of getting the knife what if he put on like dun 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 Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Just take those old. <laughs> he's like with his puffy legs. He's dancing in underwear. He just on the floor, uh, sliding in like you slide into home base from from across the arch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know? I have a hunch that Tom Cruise's couch jumping yeah. scenario on Oprah was his trying to kind of oh. reference risky business. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. It was all calculated. Yeah, he's like, an egoist. Tom Cruise, how cute, how adorable is it that Tom Cruise is back 30 years, years later? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Uh, um, love, I mean, that scrapbook. Um, yeah. uh, always love seeing somebody practice how they're going to pull out a knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, I... Oh, I also saw copies of Barry Lyndon, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, too. Um, oh, the house has the classic horror movies set up house, which is 
door for the staircase yeah. and underneath that staircase is the basement and a hallway that leads to like where people can hide in the kitchen myers house psycho house uh texas Wilkes. chainsaw yeah. Uh, yeah psycho right yeah. um home alone uh <laughs> that's true um the jonestown the last 12 minutes of this movie the jonestown logic of we've killed the law and now people are going to be coming to get us. Mm. So we're going to do a murder suicide yeah. is so scary. I know. Cause there's nothing to lose. Oh, terrifying. Yeah. Um, I love then his little psychological trick of, I love you, but I got to finish this book. Yeah. And there's something so I like them that he's like writing the last chapter of the book the last like 10 minutes of the movie you're like she's wanting to know how the book's gonna end well you're wondering how the movie's gonna end i love that he's also so clever he's a writer yes you you have to believe this guy can think his way out of these situations and and it's he's using his talent mm -hmm. and skills as like a storyteller yeah. to like keep this person on the hook right. uh um uh and then the uh um uh oh that he's like writing until dawn i think is yeah. so romantic yeah uh but then they have that big fight he says choke on it you sick twisted fuck yeah i know uh, you think he's gonna say bitch i know and I, he says fuck which is so much better it is uh uh because bitch would make it like too nurse ratchety yeah like choking nurse ratchet not to say that Nurse Ratchet is entirely en engendered, but I think it kind of is. The thing with Misery is like, it's a love relationship, but I don't think it's really about no gender. So no. him calling her a bitch just would feel wrong. It yeah. is just kind of like, you have power over me. I'm powerless over you. It's regardless of gender. You yeah. are a fuck. <laughs> You're just evil. Yeah. 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 Um, but because this is 1990, they have to put in him getting kicked in the crotch. Yeah. <laughs> and um, go Hoo! and I love the ending of just like being in a really a, a nice restaurant yeah. and people are well dressed and that ending couldn't be the last like minute is so good yeah he thinks he sees her but maybe the best part is you get to see another fake book cover the higher education of Philip J. Stone. I know. The like she, she late 80s, yeah. early 90s cover. Oh, and the woman they get to say she's the number one fan also has just crazy has, eyes. Yeah, great yeah. eyes. Yeah. 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 Um, well, what a movie. I, 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 uh, I love it. Um, scary, funny, about people. Couldn't be better. You got for a best kill, you've only got two options, right? Ooh. It's interesting because the Scatman Crothers thing isn't in the original book. It's not? Uh-uh. It's in the movie. They in the movie. Oh, the Kubrick the Shining. Yeah, Kubrick added in the movie because it was like, we're not gonna really have many deaths here oh. unless somebody gets killed. Uh, oh. so Stephen King writing them that, cause I bet in misery, he does get shot. Yeah, right. Anyway. Um, best death. It's Farnsworth, Squibby, and then her. Yeah. Damn. That's tough because the squib is good. I know. But the feeling of her dying is. Well, why don't you take Annie? I'll take Farney. Okay. We'll I'll bases. take Annie. You take Farty. And out of 13, what do you like? Uh, 
I'm going to say 12 and a half. Yeah, I'm a 12. That's a good one. Yeah. Wow. Ooh, we get to pick a new one. Oh, now. we do. Okay. So it's that, been you, me, you, me. So right. hopefully it'll be you. So that takes five off. You cannot choose five, nine, two, or four. Okay. Out of 10. Let's do 10. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the running man. Yay! <laughs> The whiplash of an Oscar-winning Stephen King movie to The Running Man. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a little Arnold Schwarzenegger, I believe Maria Conchito Alonso, Jesse Ventura. Oh, and Gourley, here I said I've never – Silver Bullet was the only movie I hadn't watched fully. I've never seen The Running Man. You know Richard Dawson's in this. <laughs> I know he's in it, and I, that was one of the only things that made me really want to see it. Ernie Sabella? Ernie Sabella. He's Timon or Pumbaa. I can't remember in the original Lion oh, King. Oh, Balky's boss? I believe so. Larry and Balky's boss? Yes. Wow. Well, I can't wait now for that. Well. Matt, that was so much fun. That was good work. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next week on With Gorley and Rust. For more Gorley and Rust content, Head over to patreon.com slash with and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candy.